Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. to lovers both out and proud and on the DL. Welcome to Broadway Breakdown, a podcast discussing the history and legacy of American theatre's most exclusive address, Broadway. This series is called Underestimated, and it is covering shows that either had mild success when they first premiered on Broadway, or no success at all, but have since gone on to have a long and healthy life. And it's the final episode of the series, everybody. I am Matt Koblick, the least famous and most opinionated of all the Broadway podcast hosts and with me today is a flop is garbage is trash she's bottom of the barrel she begged and crawled on her knees to come back and I said only if you do the greatest musical of all time oh no the tv just went to black ah well uh, <laughs> anyone who's watching this on uh, Patreon will go, oh, well, the video, the visual's gone. But at least you have two pretty, pretty girls in two pretty, pretty outfits. It's John Miscavige! It's Flop <laughs> Tina herself. Flop <laughs> Tina Turner. Here's Johnny. <laughs> John, how are you? I'm so good, Matt. It's so good to be reunited for a minute. Reunited under the most fabulous uh, setup, truly. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were theater works, non-equity, bus and truck. When we, we, when we started. We really were. And then I uh, dropped the dead weight and I just <laughs> flew so high. And now here Truly. we are, the most amazing of studios. Uh, I mean, with a TV that now has gone straight to black, but it's fine, whatever. It, uh, it was beautiful. I mean, honestly, it's probably, was that just connected to the computer? I think so, maybe. Yeah. Right. I mean, we could, we, I could take a moment and check. Screensavers. It's a whole new thing. It's a whole new if thing. If you want to. Let's give it a shot. Let's give, yeah. it, let's give it a shout, shall we? I'm just going to improv. Yeah, I mean, truly, it's it's it is it is so nice to be back, Matt. I'm assuming you could still hear me. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, <gasps> there you are, there you are, Peter. There you are, Peter. It wasn't the computer after all. It was some damn stupid remote. It's gonna go to black again at some point. Who cares? Technology. Um, yeah, we. So this came about because uh, on social media, on the Instagram. <laughs> You can now do this app where people can send you anonymous messages. And I decided, why the fuck not? I used to do the Ask Me Anythings, and that, those were all fine. But I was like, I wonder if what happens when people ask them anonymously. Yeah. Half of them get very sexual. And we're talking, like, <laughs> gross sexual. Oh, I believe it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I don't know what the purpose of that is, because it's like, if I don't know who you are, what does it matter if you say you want to suck me off? Like, I don't, that doesn't do anything Right, for you're, me. you're just, like, throwing dicks out into the void, right? <laughs> Really? Just throwing dicks out in the void. Like, do you, I mean, I guess people imagine if they tell this to you anonymously, you write on your story, like, DM me if this is you, and uh, we'll see where things go. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I, mean, I, can't, I can't imagine a single well, scenario where that if happens. If your fans know one thing, they know you're thirsty. So. I be thirsty all the time. But someone did ask, what's the deal with John? 
where's he at? Why is he not on the pod anymore? And I debated answering this because I was like, first of all, there's no story. There but also, isn't. But also, I was like, I don't know. It's like, it, while there's no story, like, the lack of story is me and is mine and John's to share. So I didn't want to be, like, speaking for both of us. So I sent it to you, and I was like, do I write something salacious? Honestly, honestly, I, I loved it. I mean, I was the one who sent in the question, so no, I wasn't. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if that was the long con? If that was, if truly I was like, oh, I'm so bored, what should I do? And then I, yeah, I just made up this whole thing. No, um, yeah, no, when you sent it to me, I was very tickled by it because I, I in our minds, it's so, it's so non-salacious. It's, it's so, it's, it's such a, like, a non-event. Yeah. And, and, and like, I mean, we, we've hung out multiple times since we've filmed the pod or since the last time we filmed together mm-hmm. and we are friends you yeah know? Like, we, ta- that, we talk that's the thing so so the fact that um i thought that someone that i thought oh god i really now in my mind i'm even that saying you. that it was me no um the fact that someone thought that there was some kind of like feud type situation mm-hmm. uh, you know some betty davis joan crawford type so uh, dish it tracks, but it's not right. <laughs> it's not right. I mean, it would be much more interesting. Uh, I mean, th- I mean, I also don't want to speak for you, but I truly think, like, after uh, we ended our era of the pod, like, I think you look back on it, it's like, that was a fun thing I did for a time. And, like, I truly did not expect John to ever, like, think to himself, you know what I miss doing? Talking to that fag Matt Coplick. No. I mean, that's what I always think. No, yeah. no, no, no. I mean, tr- but also, and uh, in, in the same side of the a different coin... The- different side of the same coin uh, you've also grown the podcast into this amazing thing that my non sequiturs non-preparedness my complete uh idiosyncratic way of being a human may have been holding you back so like you know you know it's this thing it's this thing of like two roads diverge in a wood and w- i said wood yeah you, you and it gave <laughs> me wood them. you did oh so, okay uh so yes i i Reached out to you about that and then posted the very honest truth, which was like, you know, the pod was always kind of difficult because you were working a lot as an actor pre-COVID. You, I mean, I don't <laughs> think that's a harsh thing to say. You worked all the time. No, I, I miss it. I, I oh. wish <laughs> I would love to go back to before. But notoriously, we can never, never go, go back, back to before. before. Yeah, you um, can't actually get younger despite what Sutton Foster tells everyone. <laughs> but uh, no, when, you know, everyone was in lockdown and nothing was happening and I was kind of my brain was just sort of like I need something to do I need anything, and we were in sort of different uh, points of our mental state with the pod at that time. And so you very kindly, very graciously said like I don't think I can do this anymore, but I absolutely think you should. Uh, I mean I I think I I, I didn't screenshot it like we still have our text conversation, so I can look back to edit. I'm not making this up, people. He literally said like fly baby don't no, go. No, I, I did because honestly it, the other thing too, and not to get too deep real quick um but uh, where you're talking about where you were in the pandemic uh, something that i've also had to like reckon with is the fact that my pandemic kind of started six months before everyone because of my whole cancer journey and my me being <laughs> like forced to bed rest yeah. for six months that whole and, thing yeah. and you know my first contract back was supposed to be march 16 2020 and so like i i, I was in a very different place where yeah. like people were like oh you know i, I this is going on. This show is going on streaming. This musical is coming to Disney Plus. You can guess which musical came to Disney Plus. Mm. Hamilton. Um, <laughs> but everyone was so excited about theater, and I honestly, it, it, it made me so sad. The, mm. Theater was like for the first time in my life. Theater made me. Um, well, that's a lie. Theater's made me depressed many times. <laughs> but um, but it, I, I, it, I was very very sad in that time. So I, I knew that you were wanting to go create things, and I I was just I was your dead arm, your dead leg. You're, 
I, I was your your dad. You were just dead. You were you were <laughs> a daddy, daddy girl in a daddy, daddy dress. Hey John, dead John, <laughs> I have. God. Um, no, it's absolutely true, and I I appreciate everything nice that you just said about the pod. It's um, I'm very happy with where it's at now, and I think it's a really good uh, series, and it's a formula that can bring you back on whenever you damn well please. Yeah, because uh, I do love talking to this gay. I think Same. you're so wonderful, and uh, I listened to some old episodes. Like some, I was talking with a listener who's been with us from the beginning, oh. and they were like. I do. I, I was like, I'm so glad you're like you stuck with it. Even when John left, she was like, I do miss listening to John. She's like, but I do like where the pod is. And I was like, okay, I'm that. Th- those are two things I can totally be on board with because yeah. I'm the same. Mm. I I do miss John, but also I'm very happy with where it's at. So this is the best day for me because we get to be the new pod with John. I'm very excited. I'm be- so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Oh this is the God. first time I'm in like the guest seat. I know <laughs> it's very exciting. And it's most so importantly, warm. John, this seat is so warm. <laughs> <laughs> She's moist. Because, John, unlike our old episodes, we actually have a purpose. We have a point. We, we have do. a focus today. I took notes. He took <laughs> notes. He came prepared for once. John, our final musical of, of the series. What the fuck are we talking about today? Oh, man. All right. So I did not see it, unfortunately, when it was on the Broadway. Mm. But luckily, the Netflix recorded maybe the most important work of theater in the last couple years we will be discussing today diana the musical diana the event the main event (laughs) one might say so you've already begun the journey with this what has been your journey with diana up until today i mean starting from the very beginning very good place to start um some do say (laughs) some some do say uh to, to be honest, like, kind of, even when shows did come back post-pandemic, and that was one of the first ones to come back, wasn't it? Or It was, it the, was, first to first... In, it was the first to announce that okay. it was coming back. But, yeah, it, it was, like, in the early bunch of shows, yeah. Yeah, it still took me a little bit to even, like, get into a theater. I mean, it just... And so I, I unfortunately missed it. But, of course, you know, I, I do every now and then become active again on Twitter for, like, two or three weeks, and then I uh, read something so incredibly brain-wormy and just insane that I'm just like, oh, no, 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 I, I gotta, gotta get away. But I will say that Twitter was a twatter with <laughs> all things Diana, all while it was running. I mean, I had, like, whoever was running the Diana social media account, mm-hmm. Tony Award. I, I mean, uh, uh, Lucy Lo- Lortel Award, an Emmy, a Grammy. <laughs> Nobel Let's Peace e- Prize. A Nobel Peace Prize. Let's EGOT this bitch <laughs> so quickly. And I mean, I had theories. I, I actually once confronted Ryan Bloomquist, and I was like, just admit it. You are the Diana social media account. Um, and he, he, he wasn't. But they did sometimes talk to him about it. Oh, <laughs> they, 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 like, got quotes from him, or he sometimes goes to wrote Good. Um, Good for him. But, you know, so it, it was always something in my periphery. It was always something that I knew I would enjoy. I mean, something, uh, Diana the Musical, right off the bat, you, you just think it, it's it's the royal family. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's about kings and queens. It's 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 dynamic. It's big. It's, it's, it's epic. It's majestic. And also, you know, like from what I, clips that I had been seeing and whatnot, it, it very much also seemed in my wheelhouse. I mean, one of my favorite musicals is Jane Eyre. Like, uh, Jane Eyre the musical, I love so much because it's just so grandiose and just mm-hmm. so, like, it's in that jitty pop world. Mm-hmm. You know the term? It's legit pop, jitty pop. Yeah. Where, where it's, like, you know, it's... We, it's we had a section of that on the series with um, Sideshow. Sideshow is, legi- yeah. is jitty pop. Yeah, jitty pop. And so I, I knew it was all these things, but yet it still just... 
I never watched the Netflix series because I was like, I think I need to have a reason to watch it. And then when we, after after that infamous uh, Instagram yeah. uh, question, and we, we were like, should we record an episode? And we had talked a little bit previously when we had hung out about like how fun it would be to record Diana together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, last night was my first day, my first... I feel like I was born yesterday, like now, the, the beginning of the rest of my life now. And so I watched Diana and I'm born anew. I mean, so, like Judy so, Holiday herself, you are born yesterday. So, yes. So long Christianity or Scientology. <laughs> bye bye Mormonism. I, I, Sayonara I'm, Buddhism. Yeah. I, I, I'm a Dianologist. I'm a Dianologist. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, Dionysus. Uh, Dionysus. Dionysus, one might say. Yeah, um, I certainly, I mean, I'm me. So, of course, like, I'm always on top of what's coming in to the season (laughs) and whatnot. So, like, I was on top of the idea. I knew about Diana's journey, and I'll go a little bit into that in a second. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when everything shut down, like, I just didn't think about it. Um, We had one mutual friend of ours had seen it because he had a uh, friend in the show. And, like, I remember him telling me that it wasn't good, but, like, not in a – over the top where he's like, eh, it's not great. And I was like, mm. okay. And never thought about it. And then when they announced that they were filming for Netflix during shutdown, I, along with everyone went, what? I guess it's not going to reopen then. I mean, like who, obviously uh, because the shutdown was supposed to be like only two to four weeks and then mm-hmm. it became six weeks and it became three months. Everyone was like, well, who knows if it's ever coming back. So it sort of felt like Diana was throwing in the towel, but also because of the Netflix deal, like it was sort of going to be a ha- glass half full situation. Sure. And then they filmed it. And then it was a year until they actually released it. And then of course, when they announced that they were releasing it, they also then announced that they were coming back. They were the first Broadway show to announce they were coming back. And everyone's like, Oh, I guess they think that it's going to do for them. What Hamilton on Disney plus did for that. I don't know. Cause Lynn did go on record to say like they sold like a bunch of tickets uh, when the when Hamilton went on Disney Plus. Oh, um, that makes sense. I, it does. Yeah, because obviously everyone knows, you know, a filming of a Broadway show is not the same as seeing yes. it live. And if it's done well and the show is good, it excites you to want to see it live. It's like, well, I gotta experience that in person now. You know, it's like when you go um, on YouTube and see those videos on like roller coaster rides or Disney rides. <laughs> is, am I am I alone in this? Uh, I I. I believe that this is a thing i've never done it it's absolutely a thing people film like the cues and then the ride itself for you know rise of universal disney all the ones um i will look at the ones for uh disney like overseas so and you know like uh, shanghai or paris just to see how it differs because the cues are always fun but that's just me but yeah like i don't watch them and go yeah i'm good i never need to go on the ride now it's like no i want to do the ride Mm -hmm. um and then i watched diana and i Felt, it, it was one of my infamous drunk movie nights. Sure. You're familiar. <laughs> very familiar. And it was, that was actually a very popular one because a lot of people weren't watching the, it, but they had just heard it was bad. Yeah. And so a lot of people enjoyed watching me watch it. And then I was like, I must see it live. Sure. So I went to go see one of the final previews. Uh, drunk as a skunk. Had the, <laughs> had the be- best old time. Stupidly did not buy merch that day. <sighs> and then I'll never forget, I went to go see... West Side Story on opening night at um, an IMAX with my friend Allie Gordon and her fiance. And we're in our seats. The previews are about to start. And I get a flurry of text messages. And I, my immediate thought was who died. And it was Diana. Everyone, everyone said Diana is closing next Sunday. And I fucking had to see Lehman Trilogy the n- day that Diana was closing. So I no. couldn't go to the final show. I went to the second to last show. Right, and when I was at the second to last show, I was like, I must buy merch. So I bought – so much merch was gone because, like, all the Dionysus – 
came out in droves. <laughs> all the diehards. All the diehards. Ah! Ah! Well, ah! no, I, I, I think that's literally what they call them. Like the oh, diehards. do they? I think that's oh. what it is. Yeah, diehards. Damn it. No, I, so I close. So close. But <laughs> so close to coining something. But um, <laughs> but no, you know, I th- you know, I think who coined it is um, uh, Alicia Umfris. Oh, I buy that. Diehards. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I went. Most of the merch was gone. I was able to get myself a magnet and then two Diana shirts. One I was going to wear today, uh, but I wore it to the gym because it's so big <laughs> that like I just feel like so small in it. Yeah. And oh, my gosh. Petite. And it's the old school Diana um, logo with like, it's like the silhouette of her kind of looking out like that. Of, yes. Like the actual Diana photo, which they then replaced with a photo of Gina in, in profile oh. in front of a pink background. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I got, which I had John wear for a second off camera. Uh, it says, I choose happiness, and it's meant for the female form. Uh, and I just say that because the way that it's cut is not designed for someone with broad shoulders and no boobs. Yeah. It, it was, like, barely getting around. My, like, huge shoulder. Yeah. I mean, I saw you in it, and I was like, oh, John. <laughs> but, but I've been obsessed with Diana ever since. I listen to the cast recording all the time. It's actually a perfect gym workout playlist. Because yes. every song is a bop. Yes. Um, and I would venture to say, th- this is perhaps the best example I can think of where having a score full of bops is actually kind of detrimental to your show. Um, and we'll get into it. Yeah, well, I have, yeah, we will get into that because I actually have some, I, like, some thoughts about the songs and how. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll into Something it. that we say on this pod now a lot is like, we'll get there. We'll get We'll yeah. get to it. Um, and we do. We always do. Thank God. Uh, so let's begin just with a little background history on Dina. Uh, book and lyrics by Joe DiPietro. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was DiPietro, but it's DiPietro. 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 Music by David Bryan. Joe DiPietro uh, of I Love You, You're Perfect, Not Change. Yes. Toxic Avenger. And, um, and then he and Memphis. Ma- Ma- yeah, Memphis, yes. He and, Bro- <laughs> Memphis. Nah. He and he and David Bryan wrote Memphis together. And uh, it was DiPietro's idea to come up with Diana. I think he was reading a story on her or something like that. And he's like, there's so much drama here. I feel like this is really good material for a musical. And he's not totally wrong. No. Uh, we'll, we will learn why it's kind of tricky. Uh in a second, but they, uh, he and Brian approached uh, Christopher Ashley, who directed Memphis for them, uh, if he would be interested in directing it. And Ashley is the artistic director of La Jolla. So he was like, absolutely, we can use La Jolla as like a workout space. And they get um, Kelly Devine, who had done Come From Way with Ashley, to choreograph it. And they did a reading and a workshop in 2018 uh, with Gina DeWall and I think a couple of other people who ended up doing it at La Jolla. They do... Uh, they start performances in February of 2019. Now, I looked at some of the online posts of it at La Jolla, mm. and the immediate ones were, oh, I, you know, I went in with low expectations. This thing really took me by surprise. Mm. I think it's really well done. And then later messages come in and go, I don't know what show any of y'all were watching, but what I saw was a big old yikes. And the reviews were very split. You had the LA Times that were like, absolutely not like start from scratch if you want to keep this going and then reviews from La Jolla, like local reviews from La Jolla they're like I think it's a lot of fun mm. and <laughs> I was looking at the song list and like there are a whole bunch of different songs I mean some of our favorites are still in here snap click this is how your people dance whatever love means anyway um, happiness simply breathe uh, Diana the rage as I love you pretty pretty girl but then other ones that I want to know about like once upon a time in the pages of her books uh, uh, Welcome to the Windsors, Perfect Princess. Like, what are those songs? Yeah, no, there were some. I, I was looking at the 
again, I researched. Mm-hmm. I, what, 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 a, what a difference a pandemic cancer a couple years can make. I researched. <laughs> a pandemic and, and cancer. Um, and, uh... Yeah, I was reading the the song differences as well, and I did enjoy that some of them, the like, it almost, the the song titles seems almost kind of like they were like, just open a thesaurus, and they were like, what else can we name this that keeps almost a a very, very similar uh, scheme, idea, uh, subtext? Mm -hmm. Like, it isn't... um, what, what's the one where uh, the, the thriller in Manila? The, the, the main the, event. The main event. I feel like, like, I think I saw that it was originally called something like the scene or like the event. Like it, it was something very yeah, similar. It's, um, yeah, they had a different title for it. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's called the show. The show. The, the show. show. The main event. The yeah, show. You exactly. know, it, yeah. she, he, she, we, the, the source. Exactly. <laughs> the act two, the song list is pretty much identical. Almost the same. Yeah. Almost the same. I noticed that too. I was like, I love that they were like, okay, we're going to make a ton of changes to act one and act two. Great. Yeah, which I mean, Act Two has some arguably of the campiest moments of the show. Yes, it's oh God, I adore it so much. I do too. Um, I do too. They announced in the end of the summer of 2019 that they're moving to Broadway in March of 2020. Which, like, that's a very—I feel like that's a wide window to be like, we're coming to Broadway in nine months. I feel like yes, but also at that time, I, you know, we were so naive. We were. Yeah, everyone we were. was so naive. Like, no one—if a witch popped up in front of you know Christopher Ashley that night that they announced it being like in that time there shall why is my witch Yoda (laughs) Yoda's a bit of a witch in time you shall have no opening because pandemic come will (laughs) (laughs) I I just remember when it was announced everyone's like they like this is a little far out to announce it like usually when something's coming in the spring they announce it in the in the fall somewhere around like October November because you summer yeah yeah, enough time to build up interest but not so far away that people forget it's coming uh and yeah, to, like so to announce in August that you're coming in March is like okay, a lot of things are gonna happen between then, so whatever. But I, for shits and giggles, went back to look at the message boards for Diana for that one week of previews they had before COVID shut down. And when I tell you that the reviews on Broadway World would not prepare you for what Diana the Musical is, it was like not the worst thing I've ever seen, but just you know, it's, it's whatever, it's fine, it's not the best thing, but it's it's I'm un, un, unmemorable. And I'm like the last thing I would ever say about Diana is that it's, it's not memorable. It's un- I was. <laughs> this thing is burned in my brain forever. Truly, I watched it once, and I think I have every like I I have the beats numbered in my head of like okay that then that was that beat change. I'm yeah burned burned in my memory. Actually, it's her royal highness. <laughs> it's when I tell you that the queens in the audience gave snaps. Um, on I almost stage. smashed my TV. I truly was like, you better throw down with the gauntlet <laughs> has been thrown. Yeah, so um. The thing about the Netflix airing, obviously, is no, that it got eviscerated. They yes, famously, Diana only has one Tony nomination for costume design, which I don't really think it deserved. No, I, we, I would love to get to that eventually yeah. for many reasons, mm-hmm. but I don't think so either. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it really just kind of got the costume design nomination because of all the quick changes, and there are a couple that are impressive. Yes. There's one that is not, and. It's like it's just fun to watch, but it's 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 impressive and not in the same way that like when there's a costume reveal on the lip sync of Drag Race. Yes. But you know, uh, Eureka's coming out in a refrigerator box, and you're like, well, we know there are three outfits in there. Yeah. Um, it's not surprising. Uh, but it doesn't stop it from being fun to sure. see. Anyway, point is, tell us, John, what is Diana a boot? Diana is about a plucky young girl. <laughs> One might call her pretty. A, 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 a pretty, pretty girl. Um, 
It is about a preschool teacher who, and I believe it's based on a true story. Never heard of her. <laughs> um, based on the true story, you know, of, of Diana, a preschool teacher who got swept up into the royal family and, you know, became a tabloid darling and uh, chaos ensued. I, mean, I don't yeah. want to say chaos, but drama, mm-hmm. drama, drama mama ensued. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, the musical obviously is, is a snapshot <laughs> of 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 that aspect of her life, you know, the, the one that we're all most familiar with. But yeah, I, I would also like to, s- watching Diana yesterday for the first time, I would like to say that Diana is about a lot of things, but Diana's a period piece. Diana and... You don't say. No, but like, even like, I, I think what they, even musically, I, I think they wrote a musical that like, is supposed to be from the 90s. Yeah. In, in a great way. Like, uh, if that makes any sense to you. Well, I, so DiPietro said that what interested him most in, I, so I did a lot of research uh, for today, only in terms of like, I want to know exactly what they were trying to get at. And mm-hmm. I made sure to look at stuff that they said before the Netflix special. Sure. Because they very much changed their tune after it came out about what it was they were going for. Because yeah. uh, when you watch the CBS special and then, you know, you read interviews with the creatives, they took it very seriously. Yes. Um, very, very seriously. And DiPietro was like, I was, he wrote, uh, I was interested in the marriage. He wasn't interested in doing like a sequence of events of Diana's life. He wanted to very specifically uh, focus on her relationship with Charles and then uh, Charles's years long affair with Camilla and mm-hmm. sort of the effect of all that. And including the queen in it as well, sort of this quadrangle, just cause like, you have Diana who's in love with Charles, Charles who's in love with Camilla, Camilla's in love with Charles, and then the queen who's forcing Camilla away from Charles and forcing Charles and Diana together. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wanted. And he's like, and it was very important to me not to have anyone be a villain. I wanted everyone to be of equal blame, of equal victimhood, equal standing. That was what was most important to me. Mm. Uh, they also said they wanted to give all the main characters different musical styles. So Diana was going to be more modern Iggy pop of the 80s. Charles was going to be a little more classical. Camilla was going to be a little more musical theater. Now, whether... And then, like, the Queen was sort of going to be a blend of, like, modern music with, like, harpsichord intertwined. And, like, that's... You could argue it's all there, but it's not clear that it's, like, clashing styles. Yeah. uh, No. And, And especially watching it in the Netflix series, I mean, to be honest, the Netflix series, <laughs> dun dun, um, it, it, the Netflix taping, it, um, I loved watching it that way. And to be honest, I would have loved to see it live, but it, it must have been so insanely different seeing it live because something that was so captivating to me about watching it via Netflix is the fact that, yes, it's it has a book, but it's almost like it feels sung through even when it's not like those book scenes are kept very short, very short. short. And the music, because they don't even like, they just zip through where the applause should be. Mm -hmm. Everything is just kind of feels like one continuous musical journey Mm -hmm. to the inevitable end. You know, spoiler alert, (laughs) she dies. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's the thing. Everyone knows. You can't. You obviously can't shy away from that. And so watching it on Netflix, I actually rather enjoyed the fact that having it on that medium, you got to witness a piece of musical theater in a way that it's kind of almost not meant to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But 
I thought it worked well that way. It, people's opinions go left and right about like whether the filming was detrimental or not. Um, I mean, it's shot actually very well. Yeah. Um, they, they did a good job filming it uh, in a way that like the stage show actually isn't very exciting to look at live. And it's, I mean, it's over choreographed within an inch of its life. The set design is ugly. The lighting is a lot. It's, it's big. It's loud. And like, it's why I love it. Every, cause I'll put it this way. God. Um, I love this musical so much. It is not good, but it is the kind of not good I wish more musicals could be because it is never boring. It makes a bunch of bold ass choices. And yes, I'm like, if you're, I'm like, if you are going to be bad to quote Miss Alyssa Edwards, like be a rowdy bowdy bitch, like make big, bold, big dick swinging choices. Well, and, and they fucking did too. Like I was even, I, as I was watching it, there were certain things I was just kind of like, you know, flagging for me to look up later. And uh, I was looking at the song list today and I was really just going back and thinking about it. And like, it's not a typical musical by any means. Like, it, I, they obviously, in creating it, wanted it to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no I Want song. There's no real, uh, like, she doesn't get the 11 o'clock number. Technically, the Queen does. And I, I don't know if you would even call that an 11 o'clock number. It's, it's, it's a story song that yeah. doesn't... Uh, I, mean, I mean, it gives you some insight into that bit of the relationship there as to why she finally allowed the divorce. But it, so many standard things about this art form that are always taken, you know, not taken for granted, but expected. And I want song an 11 o'clock number. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just, it's, it's not that it, it is its own beast. And I don't even think though, that that's intentional because I look at, um, things from the La Jolla run and there are things that there are things that they show in snapshots. I'm like, that's not in the Broadway production. Like there's a scene clearly where Charles and Diane are like posing for photographs, like in a very studied, like, Mm. portrait kind of matter. I'm like, that scene's not on Broadway. They had a whole scene where Charles actually first meets Diana that they cut in the final production. There's yeah. a, in, um, we went uh, right into their relationship. Yeah. There's, well, uh, in the world fell in love where she's in Wales, which you know, it's Wales. Cause there's a sign that says Wales, uh, in bold ass letters. <laughs> when that's the first time I saw it with Amanda, we were in the front row too. And that sign came down. Amanda just, Amanda's a tiny little person. And if anyone wants to know what Amanda sounds like, she's uh, the one who does the cats episode. She like, moved her body back and she just went are we in Wales because it was so overwhelming to her to be so tiny in the front row and that giant ass whale sign comes in but um in that scene originally in La Jolla there's a photo of Gina DeWall with a little child in a wheelchair and I'm like oh there was a child in the show back yeah. in the day well because there used to be a young Diana oh I that I did not know that yeah I looked at the La Jolla cast list and there was a, a young Diana so we apparently used to get a glimpse into mm-hmm. her life but yeah, I knew that there were there were flashbacks involving the child. Trim the yeah. child. I mean, I talked about it in the working episode. Get that kid off my stage. Yeah. Uh, most shows are made better without children. Yeah, I, I I get that, but I do know that they had flashbacks of her as a girl talk, singing about how she wanted to marry a prince in a castle and uh, songs with her father, and mm. we got more of her background. And again, uh, De Pietro was like, I didn't so much care about like wanting to do a chronicle of her life. I cared more about the marriage, which is ironic because I think that the final product, while it's not a chronicle of her full life, it is very much like, and then she did this, and then she did that, and then she did this. And every major thing that Diana ever did, uh, publicly, like her work in charities and uh, removing some of the stigma on AIDS patients, like, it's diminished because we only get it for about 90 seconds because yep. we got to move on to the next yes, thing. Yes, we do. And, very, very fast, very snappy. Yeah, and so, and it also had the misfortune of being made public around the same time that 
Spencer came out, the Kristen Stewart movie, which did you see that? I haven't. It's been on my list forever. I would like to watch it. It is. I think you'll like it because it is odd. It yeah. is an odd, odd movie, and she's <laughs> wonderful in it. But it very much decides to focus on a specific three days of her life. Oh. And yeah, it's it's Christmas weekend. It's the Christmas weekend before she and Charles decide to separate. Okay. Um, and it by focusing on that period of time, you get a lot more details on sort of the weirdness of the royal family, just how they act and their traditions. Her dynamic with Charles, her dynamic... Jeez, a bunch of people who are told that they're better than everyone just because of how they were born. How could they not be normal as a day? I as know. Long but as like, they're a day as the long as the long as the day. But they, like, they have traditions that are fucking weird. Like, you have to come in and weigh yourself before you uh, before the weekend begins, and then you weigh yourself after because you have to have gained at least three pounds. Otherwise, you haven't had a good enough time. It's the opposite of a musical theater program. I know. <laughs> it's the opposite of a BFA. Oh my gosh. Um, but and you know, Triggering. and, and Diana ins. and Ooh. Diana infamously had um, uh, what's the wrong? She had um, an uh, eating disorder. Eating disorders. Yes, I was, I was about to say food disorders. That's not correct. Oh, she yeah. famously no, had an not. eating disorder. She had bulimia and hmm. struggled with it for most of her adult life. I did, side note. I just didn't know how how like. I, I, I didn't know how, how much she was going through emotionally, mentally. Like, I, I didn't realize how, I don't want to say troubled of a woman she was, because obviously, you know, there, it's mental, there was a lot of mental health stuff going on yeah. I, I was not aware of before I saw Diana. And I'm sure, you know, being that it was a musical, I took it as a grain of salt, knowing yeah. that it was not, you know, these are fictionalized versions of what happened to her and what she was experiencing. But... I, yeah. You know, I, someone with an eating disorder having to weigh themselves like that, yeah. let alone being in the public eye. like Well, the musical doesn't even cover the eating disorder. It it mentions it very briefly in Act 2 in a long list of things that she's rattling off and the words came out. Yeah. Uh, a marriage built on lies, the depression, the bulimia. And you're sitting here going, like, if you didn't know Diana, you're like, Where, when did the bulimia happen? Yeah. Uh, she, she, Diana was very young. She was 19 when she met Charles officially. Can you imagine? I know. Married at 20, I think. And then... In a very cold family, uh, which the music, I will say, Diana the musical does not at all show how awful they were to her, all of them, and how cold they all were to her. They portray the queen as like kind of loving. So nice. Yeah. yeah I, I honestly, one of my biggest qualms with it was how nice the royal family came across because mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's just because it's Judy Kay, and so you're like, no, Judy Kay. But, like, <laughs> literally, I, I was, <laughs> yeah, she came across as this loving, beautiful. I was like, is this, is this, this is us? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what is, I've never watched an episode of This Is Us, so I don't Neither know if that I. matriarch is actually loving. I it's it's Mandy Moore, so more or less, I imagine she I, is. Yeah, I saw a commercial for This Is Us yesterday while I was watching the third episode of the new season of Only Murders in the Building. And I turned to my mom and I said, so the show is called Adults Crying? Uh, it's that's It was nonstop scenes of... <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's... Yeah, she, she's portrayed super warm. And if not necessarily like overly loving, like very understanding. Yeah. And that the whole point of the royal family is that they didn't understand why Diana was miserable. Mm-hmm. And they found her annoying. They're like, can't you just do what you're supposed to do? Meanwhile, you have this 20-year-old girl who is going the fuck through it. And yeah. no one is offering a helping hand. And that only exacerbates whatever uh, mental illness is already going on in there. And then, you know, when you put all of your value into wanting to be loved by someone who does not love you, then it makes it all worse. And, like, in Char- not to, like, totally defend Charles. He is pretty much a prick. But in his defense, he was very much in love with a woman he was not allowed to marry and then did what he thought he was supposed to do. Um, and that the, that adds to a lot of other shit. So, like, it's while he is not 
uh, a total victim, he is not 100% evil. Like, I, there is that 5% of you were not allowed to do what you wanted, and thus you went into this role. But, like, he went into it thinking Diana understood. Like, yeah, yeah we're not in love. This is what we're supposed to do. And Diana's like, no, I, I, I thought we were in love with each other. What's going on? You, yeah. you impregnated me twice. You know, yeah. Uh, 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 I felt like the Camilla and Charles subplot, I just wanted to keep uh, calling it just messy white straights. Messy just white me- straights. Messy white straights kind of messy white straight. Yeah. I thought they actually did a decent job of not making Camilla a total villain in the musical. For sure. But they did make Charles a total douche. Well, yeah. Um, that one song that he had where he just reams her out and it is just so... You really have to hand it to Roe, too, because playing a character like that, that yeah. is just, even though they, they, you could tell they were actively trying to make him less despicable, mm-hmm. you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a gay person, like, I truly was like, uh-uh, no, like, pop off queen, like, you, you, like, snatch her away, like, no, no, not, hun- no, huh, hunty, no. the divas are not dolling, like, I, I was not, <laughs> I, I was not here for any of what he was doing, and, like, no. especially when he reamed her out, I was like, drag her, kid. like, not her, Diana, yeah. like, him yeah her him her Dra- <laughs> let's let's drag charles let's drag charles it's called the song you're referring to is called diana the rage yes and it has one of my favorite lyrics uh stop being a martyr why can't you be smarter diana yes. um how about for a start don't act like a act like a tart diana that song famously uh when the show came back to broadway and you know we had the gays showing up drunk ass and um, mm-hmm. you know snapping our fingers pop off sis one performance which uh adam ellsbury was at a gay in the mezzanine when he was singing that whole song is like, how can I be proud of you? And some queen just goes, shut the fuck up, fuck off. And it's, the truth is like, you watch the number for the first time, whether it's in the theater or on Netflix. And you're like, my fucking God. Cause it comes after she moves in the most mysteri- uh, modern ways. Yeah. She's ways. just is a lovely little modern ballet dance. And, yeah. and, then, and then he's like, literally I was like, Oh my God, we're in the town from footloose. He's like dancing is a crime. Yeah. And, then, well, and again, it's apparently based off of a true moment where like, it was whether it was Charles's birthday or something like it was. There was a big royal gala benefit where Diana danced to Uptown Girl with one of the royal ballet pri- uh, male dancers, and it was very shocking, but it was also very fun. Like everyone loved it, everyone yeah. but Charles, and he apparently did ream her out in real life. But like, because the show was trying to have it both ways of making us understand both characters. You sit there going, like, I'm not feeling sorry for him in any way. Mm-mm. He's being an absolute asshole. And not on top of that, like, everything up until then, he has been an asshole. Yeah. So, like, it's not as if, like, he was being okay and we were like, wait, where did this heel turn come from? We are like, God, how much longer do we have to put up with this bitch? I mean, I know it's Britain. I know they're the royal family. I know they do things different over there. But, like, one of, the, one of his first lines, you know, he calls the queen mummy. Mm-hmm. And right off the bat, I mean, 32 years old, calling her mummy. He's a red flag factory. True. Mm-hmm. Charles is a red. Charlie, nah. <laughs> red flag factory. And yeah. then calling up Diana, wanting to go to the uh, symphony. And he says, I'll bring a friend. And Camilla comes out on a bathrobe, having just been fucked. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know. Truly. Justice for Aaron Davey. Love her so. She did, she, she did an amazing job, especially at making a character that so many people right off the bat so easily would just want to hate. Yeah. Just, uh, she's so charming and open and, and, and just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I empathized with her, which I wasn't expecting to do. Well, I also, I want to put extra credit to her because uh, after having said not complimentary things about her performance in the revival of Sideshow, uh, I want to emphasize that how much I do love her as a performer. And this is a case where she is in a show that I don't think is very good, that she's able to create a very compelling 
character yeah. that I don't think I would actually really enjoy the real Camilla as much as I like oh, Aaron yeah. Davies' Camilla. Perhaps not. Perhaps yeah. not. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. But and I, again, like I think where DiPietro tried to you know have the balance of everyone's a human where he actually did succeed was having a sense of awareness of Camilla of, you know, when she stops the affair with Charles and she was like, I would become the most hated woman in the world if our our relationship ever got out. Because they're never like, we're cheating on Diana, but rather like, we've been t- like essentially together all these years yeah. and I'm married and you're about to be married. Like it doesn't, this won't stop because of that. Because like, that's just, th- those are technicalities. Yeah. We love each other and we'll always be with each other. And I do like the line, I often think uh, happiness is a luxury. I think that's actually a good lyric. What's interesting about that, is it has all these like perfect rhymes like it's no false forced rhymes well yes and that's why that's another thing too i was saying with it all being just straight through like that i mean just the the perfect rhyming really hits in your ear in a way that it just keeps going in and and maybe that's why i mean maybe i'm sure it's part of the reason why it's so memorable why these lines stick out to us because can't remember it well the ending of it is going to be a perfect rhyme it is so yeah it's like very much an 80s popra the music interlude, the 22nd prologue, as mm-hmm. it's called, which also, watching it on Netflix, I mean, literally, I was just not ready for the fact that we went right from that Netflix bum-bum into the, into the, I, I, I mean, I, I, it like hit me, and then I immediately rewound and watched it again, because I was like, I was in a state of shock, and I need to now be present, but I, that, it reminds me so much of um, The Wedding Singer. Of the musical? Yeah, yeah. it does. You know, it's it's just that, that music is of that 80s synthesized. Mm-hmm. Just Yeah, it channels that era for sure. But again, like it's it's trying to be serious and yet at the same time it has way too much uh quippy humor that's like on the camp so, side. So much I mean so much camp. Yeah. So well, much well, camp. Well like so like true camp is when you make a bold choice seriously that doesn't really work and then it just becomes like you know Faye Dunaway and Mommy Dearest, it's camp because she truly thinks she's getting her second Oscar. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it camp. It's not camp. I think the only person who could ever do camp knowingly and succeed is John Waters. Every, mm. The rest of us were like, it's camp. It's like, no, it's just silly. Diana is camp because of the seriousness, but they mix it in with all this humor that just doesn't jive. And so you're not laughing because the joke is actually funny, but because you're like, I can't believe they just made that joke. Like, uh, there's the number where Diana has her suicide attempt, which they don't even portray as a suicide attempt, just as her punching a mirror. Yeah, she punches a mirror, and then in the next scene, her her well, her hand is bloody, and then in the next scene, they wrap her wrist. And I was like, that's what you get for free universal health care. Mm. She she hit her hand, hands all bloody, and they're like, I guess we'll wrap her wrist. Or, I guess we'll wrap her wrist. <laughs> and have your sister come on stage and be like, you just do it to get your husband's attention. <laughs> yeah. After she's, like, so concerned because her sister popped out two boys and they grew up in record time. Um, I do love how they're like, she's like, I'm pregnant. And then that bassinet just wheels on stage. Well, yeah. And then uh, Harry's the second one. Yeah. yeah her li- ginger-haired son. Literally not even. I, it, it was, like, half a beat. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was still two beats behind. And I was like, oh, no, he's, he's here. Wait, yep. Oh, God. <laughs> like, so after having, born. <laughs> after having just done Legally Blonde, which we acknowledge does the montage number super well, of like the passage of time and covering mm. all that really well, we have Diana, which does not do it as well because you don't know what is time in any of these songs. Sometimes it's covering a month. Sometimes it's covering two years. And no one is making it clear. It just happens. But I would even argue that, to be honest, I think making anything make sense time-wise w- was the least of their like I, I don't think it was ever an active choice of theirs i think they it feels to be in a very <laughs> I don't, this musical lives in a world to me 
where time it doesn't exist, baby. Like it's, it don't exist now. Time's not around anymore. Like it, time, that's a concept, honey. That, that's for you people in a world with a pandemic. Like truly, even from like the the moment it starts until the very end, it's, it's just the laws of physics don't apply to Diana the musical, honey. The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. It's Doctor. It's Doctor Who's uh, big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff in a pop opera. Um, <laughs> Love if it. I were if I were to guess, Act One is supposed to take place from 1980 to 87, and then intermission is two years, and then Act Two is like 89 to her death. Maybe I I, I don't know. I'm guessing. I, I, and I think honestly, guessing is a. I think you're just wrong. I think, <laughs> I, I, I truly think I think it's it's the, it has no time. It has Diana no the time. music lives lives in a plane where time does not. Let's interfere. <laughs> let's let's just start talking about some, some specific yes. songs. Give me a f- song you first want to talk about. I mean, uh, honestly, let's just start with Underestimated because while well, my phone's loading. Sure. Just because I, I think starting it off with that kind of being the, like, first message you get of Diana. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, like, we're painting her as the underdog. But we do also have that moment of the um, the camera flashing. The, yeah. The, the, what's the, what you said? Yeah, the, the camera flashing flashes happening behind her yeah. which i didn't realize that's what they were trying to do when i first watched it i because i just thought it was big like shining lights oh all no. i didn't get that i didn't get that it was paparazzi until the end of the show because i'm a dumb dumb uh i just because I, I was because i was so thrown by that and Again, so jarring, jarring. Yeah. and like also when if you ever saw the show on broadway the curtain was a wall of flowers um, oh is it the one that they show in the beginning of act two yeah yeah um, and so when you see the show on Broadway, I mean, I, again, like the, the paparazzi came out and made it a lot more abundantly clear that the flashing was their lights. But I can only imagine in the before time, before they made that change, that the curtain came up and you just got flash, 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 flash. Um, and then, yeah. And we just see her standing there singing about herself sort of in the past tense, but then all of a sudden she's in the present tense. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about, too. I was like, it, again, timeless. Yeah. She's talking about herself in the past tense. So it, is she dead? Is, is the show starting? Because the first f- scene in the show of her with another person is with Camilla. So mm-hmm. off the bat, bold choices. I mean, literally, I was wig snatched, but I was like, the second character we're actually meeting is Camilla. So it's like, it's not even about the romance. Well, it is. But obviously, we're, we're getting into like, you know there's going to be Girl Fight the Musical. Like, you know there's, mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, dueling broads. Uh, honestly, one of my biggest sad faces about Diane the Musical is that there wasn't a big, like, in-his-eyes type, like, female belty duet. Sure. I mean, unless there was, and I just, I might have, it might have melded into multiple songs for me. I mean, not in the Netflix version, maybe in an earlier draft. I mean, for a show that is so much about how much two women love the same man, there's never really a song where it's, like, they connect about that love. And even if it's separately, like, in, in his eyes, uh, it is the one time they sing about Charles together. It's in the main event, and it's a fight of just like, yeah. I want you out of my man's life. Yeah. It's, it's it. The whole show could be called "The Boy Is Mine," the British Popra. But again, because I was expecting kind of like a lot of typical 
musical theater things to happen, I was like, okay, this is an interesting place to start. Like, you know, this is our opening number. This is our introduction. We'll eventually get her I want song. Mm -hmm. But no, no, we just we just zoom right into. It's not an I want. It's an I am song. If that makes sense, like well, right, and it yeah. starts with the I am song too. Yeah, like um, there's another show, I can't forget what it is. There's another show that has um a lot of the I am's songs, and it's kind of like to the detriment of of each show that does it. And I can't, I can't remember. Well, you can't remember the, the musical. The, I can't. No, because I, I talked about it on one episode of this podcast. I'll look. I'll look it up at some point. Oh, you know, and you know what it is? It's the it's cats. Cat because everyone everyone has well. the same want, but then each song is just the I am this. Person. Yes. And, oh, totally. And so Diana, but at least with again with cats, you know at the beginning what everyone wants. So no one has to say what they want right. in each song. You just get information about them. Diana, no. What is it? What you? What do you want, bitch? Yeah. What do you want, girl? Uh, to to be overestimated. To I guess, or to be taken seriously. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's a quieter song. It does include one of the show's favorite musical tropes, which is the ah 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 ah. The, uh, the ensemble is going, ah, ah. It's, it's not, it's like not orgasming quite, but it is a little like that. It's very 80s, 90s background vocal pop. And they do it, and that's the other thing. They do it in almost so many numbers that is prevalent. And I was like, damn, they must have been mopping up those floors backstage at Diana because everyone was just frequently coming. Ladies, we are The worst job in England, shoulder shimmying. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> shoulder shimmying, baby. The headline of 1980. Playboy Prince needs a lady. There were, I mean, what you said earlier, you know, about Kelly Devine's choreography, it, it, these people must have been burning calories. A million calories. A million calories a show. It, 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 and they were executing it. Like it looked so good on screen. I'm not like it, it. It like all the pictures and everything that they created looked so good and so crisp and so clear. But like a shoulder shimmy like that, yeah. I just I gonna enjoy it. I, well, <laughs> well, to their credit, the, it is a hardworking ensemble, and Very hard even working. though the choreography isn't good, it is not sloppy. No. Like, oh my god. No. Like an example, I would compare it to is uh, pro positively compared to, I should say, is Moulin Rouge, which is a show that I do not like, I famously do not like, but one of the things that really bugged me, because if you're going to be Moulin Rouge, be fucking crisp and clean. Yeah. The choreography in Moulin Rouge is sloppy and messy. Because it's a, it it's a lot of the choreography is just like relying on people's center of gravity, a lot of flips and turns, but like a lot of partnering work that it's all... Uh, like group partners, if that makes sense. Like a lot mm. of, you know, couples. And a lot of flips and moves where, you know, everyone has to kind of land at the same time. But again, everybody is different. No one has the same exact center of gravity, even if you're close enough in body type. So no landing is ever clean. Mm. And Diana understands how to make clean choreography, even yep. if it's a lot, even if it's the wrong choreography for the moment. Uh, so I give them credit for that. Yeah. yeah, all those shoulder shimmies, they're on they're on the beat. Everyone's doing it at the exact same time. Good on that ensemble. They did the damn thing. Yeah, I mean, truly, like I said, definitely in the worst job in the world, as soon as he calls her mommy, I was like, oh, God, not this. You'd not, be surprised how few, mommy. Not this. Not yeah. this. That is, the, the, that is one of the first songs in the show that had a, 
I mentioned it already that, that had a bit of a adjustment where they just took some of the music and made it dialogue where she was like talking about um his philandering. She like the line she goes, "It was fine when you were new, but dear God, you're 32. This is ma- and, uh, this is mattress side." They that all got kind of turned into dialogue. And that's also the scene too when we first actually meet uh, Diana's sister Sarah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I, Sarah gets mentioned, and then she's brought in the next scene. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's right after. I. I. I like must have missed that. And so when when Sarah came out in the next scene, I was like, "Is this her extremely young mother?" I was like, "What? What is going on here?" And I was like, "Why is her extremely young mother dressed like um Lucy Brown from the Peanuts?" I know, right? Oof. What was I did, it? I did not care for for some of the costumes, and I don't feel bad dragging the costumes because Willie might be long, baby. Yeah, fuck yeah. off. Yeah. Um, I would love to move on to this is how your people your dance. People dance, which was the only song. Well, no, that's a lie. I had heard this song, and I had heard um, oh gosh, uh, what other song was it? I can't remember. It might have been the. It might have been if I, I might have heard as yeah, well. Yeah. Okay. That um, was the one they were trying to push a lot in uh, talk shows and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but this is how your people dance. I I had once, even a couple months ago. I think when I was like trying to decide, I was like in a mood of like, oh, I want to watch. A, I finally wanted to watch a movie musical, and I was like, maybe I'll watch Diana. And I watched that clip, and I was like, I know I want to watch this. I'm. This is not the one I want to watch. But again, even just watching it in the context of the show, I all the. All the musical motifs, anytime they mention Freddie Mercury, mm-hmm. I, I mean, how, using the term how they would slay, like mm-hmm. truly, I was like, what a modern, I, I would love the idea of this woman in the 80s being like, slay queen. <laughs> I believe the lyric you're referring to is, um, uh, you're uh, then again, don't create a scene, you're in line to be his, you're auditioning to be his queen. And if queen were playing now, Freddie Mercury would slay, slay it. it. Yeah. I, I. Guys, I listen to this score all the time. It's, well, so it's, what's happening in this number, Jen? Tell us, set the scene. What's going on? So the scene is that uh, Charles takes Diana to see a cellist play, which I, Rachmaninoff, Rachmaninoff, I believe. No, not Rachmaninoff. It sounded like Rachmaninoff. No, 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 no. Bach. No, he's, no, he literally says, do you like Bach? And well, she yeah, goes, but, I adore Bach. They're, they're seeing a specific cellist, I believe. Or oh, something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, so they're seeing it and, and you know, it's just, this is not Diana's gig. Diana, no. Diana's not used to this hoity-toity. And also, she had j- just previously had had that scene where Camilla was kind of like, you know, that shady um, importance of being earnest, I'm your female friend, kind mm-hmm. of like, yeah. oh, Charles likes clever girl. <laughs> you no. know, just, just planting those seeds. Of those seeds of self-doubt, yeah. It's the, uh, I've specifically asked for bread, uh, uh, what is it, bread, and you've given me cake, or whatever it is, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's and, that. And so we have Diana sitting in the audience watching this cello. And one of my favorite lines in this song is when Charles turns to her. And of course, it's because it's a musical. It's mm-hmm. of course because we need to get inside the mind of the characters. But I love that Charles asks her, Diana, what's wrong? You seem like you're a million miles away. It's like, what would you expect someone... like? in the context of watching someone play the cello, Mm -hmm. what would you expect her to be? Like, truly be like, "Mm, mm, (laughs) like, I I love, like, literally all she's in theory doing is sitting there, but because it's a musical, we need Charles to continue on the plot. He has to be like, Diana, what's wrong? You're so obviously uncomfortable by all these people playing the cello. Yeah. And, And it's a very shallow example though of like, how she did not blend in with that scene. We were talking about earlier, like how the royal family is like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you understand? Like, this is the thing. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's not 
it's not a good way of showing it, but it is sort of what they're trying to do. Is like, oh, yeah. this is like Charles's gig. And Charles well, is like, don't you love it? And Diana's like, yeah, yeah I'm I mean, 20. We have the class the, the the class war totally going yeah. on here. And and I mean this this number is just it's it's a boparina. Like yeah. I, as soon as they <laughs> they introduce that ography and and I mean the costume change into I is that supposed to be like a Madonna dress? I don't know what they're trying to do. Where the bottom of her ball gown rips off and she's wearing like shredded dress uh, I that mean, goes down to her knee. I mean, it's it's one of those reveals where you're like, oh, they revealed. I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> then there's Charles, who's happy when he hears music by dead white men. Perhaps his girl could turn him into a rocker. This is how you It accomplishes a lot. What does it accomplish, Jen? My G spot. <laughs> I <But> mean, <laughs> it's a big. Well, yeah, it's a big fantasy sequence, and like the which is just absolute bonkers. And she imagines like Charles can get down rocking. Everyone in the crowd is getting down rocking, but like it doesn't accomplish anything other than the fact that like she doesn't like the things that the royals like. But yeah. she, she even has a line like, "Perhaps this girl could turn him into a rocker." After that number's over, you never see her like try to loosen him up it's always just like her getting molded after that so it i don't know why you would even include that um there is a fun line before that scene happens when like he's talking to camilla about going to see bach with her and it's like she likes duran 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 an air supply <laughs> and and i believe it's just two durans. it's two durans yeah i like that camilla's lease is on top of it oh, but yeah. she like she's in touch with the things but uh he says she has the musical taste of a teenage girl and camilla goes she, she is, is a teenage, teenage girl, girl. <laughs> yeah cradle robber cradle robber well, problematic I mean, yeah well, I mean, that's the thing is like i don't know the exact age difference between diana and her two sisters but i would imagine it's a little bit older and so like because she was a little y- too young for Charles to take it seriously when she first met him when he was dating Sarah. And then it's like that five, six year difference where it's like, even if she's still a child, like when you spend six years apart from someone, they go from like 14 to 20, you don't, you're not there because you're not part of that development. You see them as a new person mm. and you know, don't recognize the other uh, connections to their childhood that you probably should and recognize that they are still young. But, you know, like, you know what I mean? We talked about this yes. in the Smile episode, especially in, especially in the 80s and 90s. Like, we're finally being a little more aware of it now that just because a person's body matures at a certain rate doesn't mean their mind does as well. So even totally. if you... So, like, in Smile, <laughs> he's... Yeah, you. Look, look at me. Look, look at... This is, like, a six-year-old Truly. Up, up here. But, like, I especially, mean, especially with teenagers, no. and, like, we're, we're currently blurring the lines of shows like Euphoria by casting, like, 25-year-old stacked actresses as 17-year-olds. But the idea that, you know, just because a young woman start ha- starts having a body that we as a society physically recognize as an adult mm. doesn't mean that they're really an adult yet. Yeah. Their brain is still developing. And it's true. Still was, the same was true of Diana. And I'm just going to say something that I, I know it paints me as a, a, a cuckoo bird, but you, th- me, but like, I mean, l- let's get into it now because she's eventually going to have to be talked about the wigs. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, the wigs, uh, but I mean, but also the hairstyle. The reason why I'm bringing it up is because I often, and I've read articles about this too, like people used to look older even when they were younger. And mm. so 
you look at pictures of like even like young Diana, and just because of like the hairstyle, you you forget that like that's a nineteen year old. You forget mm-hmm. that, that that's that's a baby. That's that that's a little that's a little girl. That's a, that's a little baby child. Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's just and also like nineteen eighty being twenty is very different than it is today. Oh my god, totally. But like especially considering the life she had led, she you know she wasn't. Uh, an academic student. She did not mm-hmm. do very well in school. The fact that she was a kindergarten helper was, you know, it was something she was passionate about and she was rather good at, but she wasn't really trained to do. Right. Uh, she did come from a family with royal background, but yet, yeah, like, she wasn't prepared for any of this. Uh, not that anyone would be, but, like, her especially, just, like, had none of the real world experience to toughen her skin for this. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Moving on. Uh, yeah. A personal favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. It's called. Snap click. Now, in this number, the Papachasse come oui. on in their uh, raincoats and their fedoras straight out of the 1940s. I applaud any musical that just immediately says, we are putting <laughs> reporters in a raincoat and a fedora, and you best believe that our female-identifying and female-presenting actresses and chorus girls will be dressed as male presenting photo- uh, photographers or reporters. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if they do it specifically in this number, if but okay. later on they definitely do. Like, I mean, later on they do it 20,000 times with yeah. the show. But I I love when musicals do that. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as this number started, my soul was fed. I mean, eat, yeah. pray, love. Like, I was, I, I, it, I, it was everything I needed. Every time the paparazzi comes out, there are, it's, it is male identifying and female identifying ensemble members 100% mostly just to fill the stage and fill the sound because yeah. it is a relatively small cast it is a small cast i was shocked by that yeah and the thing about diana that i think no no real broadway musical could truly accomplish and the original evita did it best with um newsreels and whatnot to sort of showcase you never actually understand the huge impact and like uh crowd pressure of Diana's life like the people that she were just like hounding all the time like when she's finally in Wales you know it's like 15 ensemble members behind a bar and you're like okay that seems like a relatively pleasant afternoon tea and it's when you watch The Crown and you Mm -hmm. see like when she shows up in Australia and the hundreds of thousands of people just barreled into like city Mm. streets to see her and shout at her so you don't ever get that impact um, and the paparazzi is the closest we get and it's mostly just because like it's everyone and they're all running all over the place but um yeah it's it's everyone and their mother is in that number and it's better than a guinness better than a wank wank. it's that might be one of the greatest lyrics of all time better than a guinness better than a wank again these are lyrics that are here to do a specific job to be economical and i think the way that he writes lyrics too it's it's economical even in a way that like i, I do you know what i'm saying well so here's the thing about De, about um de pietro as a lyricist he's not necessarily a bad one he comes up with very perfect rhymes and like literally like he does he does not believe in the false rhyme and that's yeah. something that's very admirable and he comes up with interesting ones the problem is is that the way he the way that song lyrics come to his brain he cannot do a serious musical not because he's 
not because he's not smart or anything like that. But, like, that's just not how his brain works. In the same way, it's like, I would not ask Tina Fey to sure. write the libretto for Schindler's List, the musical. Like, that's just not sure. how her brain sure. comes up with dialogue. Um, his The way he writes lyrics makes sense for something like Toxic Avenger. Yes. Well, and I guess economy is not the right word. M- more of, like, what it kind of is to me is, like, he doesn't there's no such thing as subtext to his lyrics. Sure, there are no layers. Like, the, like what they are saying is exactly what, what they mean They mean, and what we're supposed to internalize and, as an audience member and what we're supposed to, like how we're supposed to connect the dots between the stories. Um, but yeah, I to go along with what you were saying before too about like the, the paparazzi in the press, you know, like... It, have you ever, or have you watched any of the, the you know, the, the the free Britney documentaries that were going on before she uh, was got Freed. out of her before she was free, before she was uh, taken out of that conservatorship? I have not. I have not watched any so, of it. So it really kind of shocked me in a way that, excuse me, um, that I wasn't, yeah, that you're not aware of when you're a child, and that I don't think this like generation of people, younger musical theater people, get is that. The paparazzi and the tabloids used to be such a crazy thing because we didn't have social media. We didn't like the, the, the I know the paparazzi still exist, but they aren't they aren't hounding people as far as I can tell to, mm-hmm. to the extent that they would, you know, Britney Spears or someone like Diana, like mm-hmm. a woman especially. And yeah, it, it, the, I'm 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 taking it a, to a very serious oh, place with yeah. the, with this number, but it. it you know, it, talking about her as a real person, it, it like, did you ever see the um, uh, the Anna Nicole Smith opera? It was at BAM a couple years ago. I didn't. It was it was to. it was really really cool, but like th- there was a lot of paparazzi. Like yeah. the people, the ensemble were like big cameras. Mm-hmm. Like they just were cameras. Sure. <laughs> and so it, it, I I I love I love this trope of the paparazzi. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that he gave them lyrics. You know, better than a Guinness, better than a wank. And at the same time, too, like, I was still really recoiled by the fact that I, I'm assuming that, he, you know, since they said I hear that she's still a virgin, that they were talking about the fact that, like, you know, she's a 19 year old virgin, these tabloids. Well, that's because that was, it, it was sort of an unspoken understanding that whoever married Charles had to be a virgin. I know. That's so gross. I know. I don't know. If, I'm <sighs> sure it's changed since then. But that was part of – one of the reasons why he couldn't marry Camilla is that she wasn't a virgin. Also, like, she then had to get – got married and then uh, the whole divorce thing. He, was, he wouldn't have been able to be king if he married a divorced woman. Oh. Um, but I think that's changed now. But anyway, point is, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's – the whole virgin thing is gross. That was part of the gig. Uh, they try really hard to make the paparazzi be really kind of this – um, pestering and like, oh, like ominous. Kind of ominous and dangerous presence, and they don't really succeed. They try with the lighting, with the choreography, and the music is like, you know, meant to be sort of like punk rock, but mm-hmm. the music itself doesn't sound dangerous, and the lyrics are kind of bonkers. We talk, okay, so uh, this is the post John era, but I did a two parter episode with Adam Ellsbury about like, which is the quote unquote better wild party. Mm. And it's like truly with, without our own uh, taste in mind, like really just looking at them objectively, what they're trying to accomplish and which actually does it well. And something we both agreed on was like, it's really hard to make birds feel dangerous in the Lippa one. Cause all of his songs are such bops. And when a song is a bop, you aren't feeling um, anywhere in danger of the breakdown. It's mm. so like, let me drown. You're not like, 
oh my god, this guy's really losing. And no, you like, love that song. Yeah, you're like, yeah, Brian Darcy James, yeah. yeah. And whatever you think of Manny Batinka, whatever you think of Michael John Lacuso, in the second half of that show, when Burrs really starts to lose it, you feel the in danger. danger. Yeah. yeah. And so that it, it, this is an example where, like, again, we all like melodious music is wonderful and i'm not saying like it has to be distant it has to be ugly but when something is such like a jam you aren't ever able to channel into the toxicity and the danger that's supposed to be there you're yeah. just too busy jamming out and yeah. that is that is one of the major issues with that song and sort of what they're trying to do with the paparazzi in general slash problem with the show in general but do i listen to it all the time do i run on the treadmill to it absolutely you should yeah uh there's a proposal which is stupid it's whatever love means anyway although i would like to say one of my favorite moments last mm-hmm. night watching was the part where um I think I'm almost 90% sure it's in this song where suddenly it's it's about to go into the chorus or it's at the chorus just finished and they're about to go into like a musical interlude and it's the fr- it suddenly goes into a minor chord. Do you know what I'm talking about? Which part is this? It was definitely in the move in, in the movie. Um I'm pretty sure it was this one. Whatever love means anyway. It like one of the chorus ends, and it's like whatever love means anyway. And this ma- and this everything's been major up until then, and this minor chord hits, and I'm like, uh oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> it's not gonna go super well for her. I don't. I'm, I'll have to, I'll have to listen to that again. I mean, the, what it. I'll, I'll try to see if I could find it because I'm, I'm. I think it was this song. If it wasn't, uh, obviously. It does know. have the lyric I like, which is the I often think happiness is a luxury. Mm. Uh, and you know, it's it's all it is is <laughs> what the show does. Is that so? It's based off of an interview with Charles and Diana where they're asking, like, are you in love? And at the exact same time, Charles like starts to kind of mumble, and Diana's like, of course we are. And then Charles goes, like, you know, whatever love means. Uh. And uh, so they took that line and gave it to the queen first when he's like, I don't know if I'm, me- if I'm ready. Were you ready? Were you certain? And she goes, yes. You know, and, sh- and there's implications of like, Philip's philandering and whatever. We never meet Philip in the show. Thank God. Who cares about that fucking asshole? <laughs> he should have been a puppet. <laughs> he should have been a Muppet. A puppet. Um, he was one of the old guys in the... Yeah. He's, he's in uh, the Muppet. Yeah. What yeah. are they called? I almost said Wallace and Gromit, which it is not it. It's not. Uh, um, uh, John and Matt. That's John and name. Matt, yeah. <laughs> that's the name. But um, she she says that whatever love means anyway. And then and then Charles uses that with Diana. Mm. So like it, it puts a, takes a little of the blame off of him, which I'm like, Ugh, whatever. But then it goes straight into the wedding. Um, and it all, they in, include the paparazzi line. Um, was there ever a greater tabloid tale? She was common. She was damn. Um, and then we go into the wedding. They have a, they, they have a great use of doubles for the wedding because you have what do you think is Diana coming out in her wedding dress. I gagged. Yeah, and then I she gagged. pops out. And it, it works just as well on stage. Here's the thing, though. They do something in this next song that I will, which is when Diana finally decides she's going to commit to this. Uh-huh. And she goes from being in her slip into the wedding dress. They do, they did do that on stage. It is not as good as it looks in the Netflix version because on stage, that whole dress was attached to wire. So it stood. Mm. Um, so it's like, um, do you know how the whole uh, fandom disappears in Phantom of the Opera with the cloth thing? Like how that works? Mm-mm. It's attached to wires that, uh, imprint a body like has a body silhouette sure so when he brings down the the drape on himself he's not his body isn't actually touching touching. yeah so he can come out and no one can see it's sort of the same thing with the wedding dress like the way that the veil is held up Mm. it's all on stands yeah so when gina dewall went into the dress and what happened was they had a double in like 
ninja black. Which, and if you were sitting in the right seat, you could see her fucking bolt out of there and go to the back of the stage, which the first time I saw it, I sure had that view. And Gina, and so Gina had to stand in it as she's like getting ready to say her vows. And in Netflix, they altered her close up so that way they just put an actual veil on her and so she could move around a little bit. Mm. On Broadway, that girl was stock still. When she was looking at Charles, she was like side eyeing because she couldn't move. I was wondering that because I, I mean, I loved. I loved playing with those um, paper dress dolls as a as a little mm-hmm. as a little. That's wee exactly gay. what it is, yeah. And and that's all I could think about. I was like, they just paper dress doll Diana. They just paper dress doll Diana. Um, P.S. Also, I, I feel like when suddenly we've been going through songs, I, I do all just need also just need to like state, and I, I, we will get into it more, especially like in these songs as we get more into uh, Diana's emotional journey. Mm-hmm. But Gina DeWall, the voice, the acting, I mean, truly, uh, we are not worthy. Her voice is amazing in this. And it's amazing. It's, and it's really incredible because it is so, it is, it's a marathon of a vocal role. It, she has to go through the ringer with this. It is a marathon. And, and there's something, I mean, maybe it was because I was a little hard, but there was something about her, um, her vocal choices, not in the sense of she obviously didn't do an affectation the way that Ellen Green did, Mm -hmm. but the kind of emotional connectivity that she has Mm -hmm. to her voice reminds me kind of of like the way that Ellen Green's belt is just so emotionally, like every choice vocally, whether it was conscious or subconscious, and I'm guessing a lot of it was conscious for for Gina, but like truly all those choices, all those vocal just... Uh, the, the, when she really puts that stank on it, mm-hmm. like, uh, what a star. You know what it is? So we, I talked about this a bit with Sideshow and Parade. The the late 80s through the 90s, it's the Les Mis mm-hmm. Phantom era of Some having... Of my favorite era. Well, the, these legitimate Broadway belters with a little bit of a rock tinge to their voice mm-hmm. singing these sort of pop Broadway songs like the kind of full throaty belt it's why you know everyone still listens to sideshow because emily and alice for whatever like they are just blood and guts on the floor chords chords terry carmelo and parade that's like folds upon folds upon folds a a style of singing that is not totally extinct but is very rare these days because we mostly because with the i talked about like with the succession of hairspray then wicked then legally blonde sort of one after the other, the pingy mix is mm-hmm. became the the trend. And that is healthier. You have a you have a better chance of longevity with that style of singing. It's just not as powerful. Well and it robs us of a lot of different um vocal quality different like differentiating yeah. qualities. Yes. We still have like our Carmen Cusacks and our Stephanie J. Oh Blocks who like sing fully from the vagina and I love mm. it. Gina kind of is doing that in Diana. Yeah. She is going for broke with those vocals. And in a way that like, and what makes it work is because Aaron Davy as Camilla is, she's not doing mixy ping. She's doing a little more like kind of legitimate yes. soprano stuff, but it's a nice uh, counterweight to yes. what Gina's doing. For sure. I agree. Which is another reason too, why I just wish there had been an actual, just well, do it. Let's get to the main event in like 10 seconds. Let's, let's power through act yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have happiness uh, breathe, which is just, you know, Diana's depressed. She has her babies. They happen really quickly. Yeah, so we, quickly. We, yeah, and we we all talked about that song a little bit. Um, Modern ways. We talked about that. I yeah, mean, the rage. We talked about a little bit. What we haven't talked about is, um, I think it's called "As I Love You," the song where Diana sings "I Love You" in four different languages. 
Okay. Te amo, te this quiero. Was, this was one that last night when I watched, again, truly, I was wig snatched bald. <laughs> and then today as I was listening through the songs again, it, it, it was like being baptized. Like, I just... I. I knew that it was coming, but I had partially forgotten about it. So just truly the fact that out of nowhere, out of nowhere, we get... Te amo, like, te like, and it sounds fucking phenomenal, but I'm also like, did I miss a trip to like uh, to, to Spain or like Mexico? Or so? yeah. I, I was, like, was there ever a moment previously where they were like, you know we say I love you to each other in different, like, like yeah. it, 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 the, lyrically just that being the, the hook and the like emotional weight of this song, I was perplexed, but I was on for the ride and God, did I love it. I mean, God, do I love it. Where were you when you first heard Je t'aime. Well, that's what I, I was going to say too, because truly last night when I listened to it, had no idea what she said, and I just thought it was like gibberish. Mm-hmm. And then, so today when I listened to it again, I was like, "Oh, she's saying je t'aime. We're yeah. just adding, we're just adding more language." Well, so okay, when the show came back to Broadway, the creatives tried to pivot turn, and their social media account, as you know, like they very much went yes. leaned into this. It was like, yes. we always meant for it to be campy and to like have a fun pop rock edge. No, they did not. They are they were pivoting. They were trying to save face. They like they had Gina go on like a bunch of different interviews and be like, "What's wrong with having a little fun with Diana's life? Like she was a fun girl. She would have loved the show. She loved the good joke. She loved Edge Lloyd Webber." And it's mm. like, yeah, no, sure, whatever. It's it's not the issue. Point is, like if the show were better, we would not have an issue with it. And if the show were good, it would be good. Um. I said the same thing. We can cut this part, but I said the same about Beanie Feldstein and Funny Girl. Like her defenders keep going on and on, like about all the reasons mm. why people don't like her performance. And I say, if she, if her performance were good, it would be good. It would not be the de- reaction would not be this divisive. There would be it would be a greater leaning towards positive, and the detractors would still be able to be, say like, but this yeah. or that. If it were good, it would be good. If Diana were good, it would be good. What it is is incredible, but it's not good. Um, that being said. When the show came back, there was an infamous lyric in this song. Do you know what song, lyric I'm about to talk about? I'm, I'm going to look through it to see if it if it um, pops out to me because I'll give you a hint. Yeah, just give me a it hint. It involves a sign. Oh, marrying a Scorpio. Serves me right for marrying a Scorpio. <sighs> that lyric quoted throughout every review of Diana all over the Twitter. So when the show came back, Gina DeWall, icon that she is, she... You can't – you're in a tough spot with Diana when you're bring, coming back to it live because audiences coming in are usually coming in because they either, like, loved to hate or they want to see the train wreck for themselves, and it's becoming a bit more of a Rocky Horror Picture Show situation. Right. But the only way that that camp can actually be good is if you still play it earnestly. If you lean into the winkiness of it, then the camp is gone. Mm. And so Gina was able to find a good balance because she mostly played it straight, but every now and then – would acknowledge. So both times I saw it, when she sang, serves me right for marrying a Scorpio, she did a brief look out and like side eye and then went back to the song. And both times, us queens went, ah! Because it, we felt seen. We were like, you're recognizing that we recognize the moment. And oh. it was great. And then she went right back into the series. Icon, queen. Serves me right for marrying a Scorpio, a side eye, moving on. And I'm like, she acknowledged and that's great. That's what I mean. I do think that this show exists in a time that is in the 90s and at the same time, timeless. Yeah. Because that is such a, a mod. I mean, yes, I know astrology and people's signs. It's been a thing forever. But I feel 
especially in the last five years, people have become obsessed with astrology. So obsessed. Am I I crazy? There's literally someone online who tries to determine who's the better Fanny Bryce opposite Ramin Karamu based on their astrology signs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Broadway World is great, guys. And so so the fact that that line just exists in this world, I mean, I I don't know, maybe, maybe Adana really was into astrology, but it... I don't know. I, but it comes I out don't of nowhere. It, it comes. Well, Te Amo comes and, out of nowhere. Yeah, the the this song the song is a bit of a fever dream, but I live. Also, something I just realized: I don't think there's ever a moment in the show itself where Diana realizes Charles and Camilla are sleeping together. Wait, what do you mean? So, like, we know that Charles and Camilla were having that years long affair. The show when Diana meets Camilla. She doesn't know what Camilla's relationship to Charles is. Sure. And then when she sees her at the recital, she's just like, you seem to be everywhere. And like, I don't know why you're here. And it's really annoying to me. And then the next time Diana refers to Camilla, I mean, she's at her wedding. But like the next time she refers to Camilla, it, she hears Charles on the phone saying, I love you to Camilla after uh, – Char- or I'm still in love with you after uh, uh, Williamson born. And she's like, she's still in our marriage. And it's like – Wait, we never had the moment where you realized that they had that relationship. Wait, didn't they? I don't think there is. I really don't think so. I mean, especially with a show like this, which, again, I, I guess economy might be the, the best word. There are there are multiple things. Like I said, like I missed Sarah being the sister. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that are done like huge plot points are tackled in like two words. Yeah. I feel so. I don't remember you very much. Could be completely correct. I thought I, there was some moment before they got married where she did very much imply or say the fact of like, I mean, because there had to be a moment where the shoe dropped, which is why she was so upset when she ca- she catches them in the phone uh, on the phone. Yeah, um, I think you yeah. could be right. I I, I just don't know. I, I I I had put one in my mind, yeah. but I really don't remember what she says in her panic before she gets into the wedding dress. I know that her sister says like, "You're on the tea leaves, love or the tea bags, love whatever it is." Um, Tea towels. You're on the t- your face is on the tea towels, oh. which is something that. <laughs> <Sorry>. I thought. Th- <laughs> yeah, that's what I, it is. I, no, I I know, but my brain. I was like, oh, is that like slang for period? <laughs> you could cut <laughs> that. I don't, I'm not. No, I'm, keep, I'm not here to judge people. Well, about it's, it's apparently it's a real thing that her sister said to her when she was like having doubts about the wedding, and her sister was like, well, your face is all, all over the tea, tea towels. towels. Yeah, yes. so. Uh, but maybe in that panic, she mentioned something about Camilla. But like, we never get the moment I think where the dots connect, and I that. That's important because she did know about it way before she got married. There's a footage of her crying at the airport as Charles is like flying off somewhere. And everyone's like, oh, she's so heartbroken that the man she loves has to go away for a few weeks. And she refers to that later in her tell-all. She was like, no, it was because of the whole Camilla thing. Because of two-timing, yep, yep, no yep. good, nothing, cad. Yeah. Hmm. But um, yeah, a lot of the show, it's like, yeah, no, these things that we just – we never hint at before. We just poorly put out – yeah, it, it, there are multiple moments where blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. Well, fantasies die. Who knew princes lie? Diana, take The one thing I'll say about it, I miss you most on Sundays, but you know, if ever there's a skippable song on in this show, this is one of them, despite the fact that I think Aaron sounds absolutely gorgeous so on it. Um, it is a good song to have in theory to humanize 
that relationship a bit more. Because, again, in their eyes, they're not screwing over Diana. Right. They are star-crossed lovers who can't be together. Yeah. And that's an important thing to remember. Again, the show does not do enough work outside of that song to really justify that, but that is what they're trying to accomplish, and I appreciate the effort. Sure. Uh, moving on to one of the greatest Act 1 finales of all time. Pretty, pretty girl. In a pretty, 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 pretty dress. Pretty. All the costume changes. This is the song that got them the Tony nomination for best costume design. And I will still say a little wrongfully so. Yeah, I, I did enjoy the costume changes. I mean, there, that red one into like at the at the end is a very much Eureka's wearing a refrigerator yep. box. Like, I mean, if you cannot see that reveal coming, honey, LASIK. Not even LASIK. Yeah, I, they, I mean. they pull it off real quick. I was furious because both times I saw the show, that reveal did not happen. Oh, like they just didn't do it? The first, yeah. Well, the first time tried. I saw it in previews, because she comes up in that elevator. Cause they yes. have that ele- so the set, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's essentially like, it's supposed to be sort of the gates of Buckingham Palace all painted blue and yellow. And with like an Anastasia floor. And they have an elevator that comes up and down in the middle. And Diana comes up in the middle of it at the end of the number in this red dress. And when... The first time I saw it, she's singing, she'll take on the monarchy, but she's not anywhere. You just hear the disembodied Gina the Wall voice, and it's just the elevator didn't come up. Oh, no. And so when the number ended, they're like, pretty girl, and they all had to stand around an empty spot. Where <gasps> it was Gina a no-fly show in, Di- in Diana. It, it was a no-fly Diana show day. Oh, my God. Um, and the the stage manager had to come out at when the number ended because they did boom. And the curtain didn't come down. The stage manager had to come out with a light to see what happened. And then he said, bring the curtain in. And Amanda and I were like, what a perfect way for this act to end with this flub. And then when we went to the- And that was in previews? That was in previews. It was the last week of previews. Mm. Um, So it was upsetting. And then at the second to last performance, some ensemble member wasn't where they were supposed to be because Gina came out in that red dress and then no one pulled it off. And I sat there fuming- I, I said, I've seen the show fucking twice, and both times I, I go, believe. the reveal didn't happen. The Eureka's wearing a refrigerator box reveal? No, ma'am. Comment below. Did you? Can people comment? Comment below. Did you see a performance where the dress worked? Ah, oh, God, I wish. <laughs> it's like the Billy Elliot said. To, to the set work on the day, you saw the show. It didn't work for me. I can't believe you saw two no-fly Diana shows. I know. I My luck is astounding. But I will say, the... One costume change they do that is good is the very first one when she first gets into the pink outfit behind yes. the rack. I mean that, and they show you it in real time. Yeah, it and happens that fast. I will say on the Netflix one, you you can you see you the see change it. happening. Yeah. Like, but I mean, it's they, less they do obvious. they do a very good job hiding it. I mean, obviously, when something's that close and on camera, yeah. I wouldn't. I I would have been gagoodled. I would it would have been gagatrandra if I I didn't see a yeah. part of it. But, but also, like, unlike the red dress, I don't – I'm not expecting that reveal to happen when she's sure. in that outfit. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just – it's fun. And it is. She, yeah. And she wears a bunch of good outfits. Uh, if I – okay, so this is something I want to do. If I ever direct Diana one day. I hope you do. I really want to. I want to embrace this sort of, like, bonkers aesthetic of the 80s and just lean into all of the wildness of it. And here's what I want to do. Did you see Cruella? I did. Okay. My mom loves Cruella. So so she had me watch it with her a couple. It's a fun time. Months ago. Yeah, it was fun. I I very earnestly say this. I was campaigning for Emma Thompson to get an Oscar nomination. 
I thought she was astounding in that movie. A lot of people were really good at it, yeah. I mean, it, it, and the movie's not great. The movie's fun. But, like, fun. I, I watched her and I was like, how dare you give this quality of a performance for she, this She can't movie. help it. She just can't help it. She's she fucking Emma Thompson. It. But there's a whole montage where Cruella is constantly usurping the Baroness. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she has that one where she stands Sets it on, on fire. Oh. No, she stands on top of her car and her <sighs> dress covers the car. Yep. So I want to set with all these platforms all over the place. And when Charles decides he's going to make his whole stance be about architecture and the preservation of old buildings. And we have the, huh, huh, as he's speaking, we have the, huh, huh. And then Diana comes out of a new outfit. Oh, pretty, pretty girl. What I want is I want Charles standing below one of these risers. And then Diana's slowly walking around him on t- uh, getting... Uh, on top of the risers and she's wearing this long train and the train ends up covering him so when she sings a pretty pretty girl gets more famous than before and her dress covers him and then at the end it could be the it could be the curtain that gets dropped <laughs> while we may prize the new we must Without a doubt, this song does stick. Like, it, it's, I mean, these songs are yeah. quite earwormy to begin with. But this one is one of the ones that is just the most earwormy. That hook. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I mean, just the repetition. How many times do we think pretty is probably said in this song? More times than Violet sings Divine in Sideshow. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, if, if. Pretty was getting any amount of like money for the amount of times <laughs> that it was mentioned in the song. Billionaire. Yeah. Um, well, cause I, so what do we think they're trying to accomplish with those lyrics? A pretty, pretty girl in a pretty, pretty dress. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess let's let's do some real like dramaturg work and be like, let's see where we started from the beginning, underestimated, <laughs> to I'm a pretty, pretty girl in a pretty, pretty dress, right? Like the journey she's taken from this um, omniscient future past reflecting about talking about what she's about to experience Diana to, I guess, accepting this role as like, I'm going to use my womanly gifts at this time when this is maybe one of the only things that I can do. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what it's really trying to accomplish other than like saying, Hey gays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only say this seriously. Cause like for all, when I talk about how much I love it, I do, say my love in a way that can be considered mocking. And in some ways it is, but I do understand like people came together to create this and had like very earnest intentions. And so when we talk about sort of what got lost in the translation, uh, I, I sometimes want to go like, what is it that you're, you were trying to do here? Because is there a way to do it better? And part of me thinks what they were trying to do is, you know, the concept of Diana just being a pretty girl, right? Mm -hmm. Just wearing clothes. Like that's what she does. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, she was so good at having eyes beyond her, whether she meant to do it or not. Like, everything she wore, everything she did always just grabbed attention. And she was able to manipulate that into uh, good by addressing causes that that needed attention and raising money for things that needed money. And, like, the show mentions it and shows it so briefly. Again, just, like, it's, like... She does this. She does that. Here mm-hmm. we go. And act one, ne- you never actually see her do any charity work. They no. just they oh they just mention, oh, you 
you did this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also didn't mention Wales when she goes to Wales. Though. Oh yeah, wait, the, what what number was that in? Because I want, I definitely the world and the world fell uh, fell in love, <sighs> which is and I actually really love that song. Not both because it's a fucking pop, but also just like some of the lyrics are great. I, I mean, uh, actually, one of my my favorite set of lyrics. And I'm sure it's probably yours too. Is um, sorry, sorry, sorry. I mean, it, it it's just it's. Over here, it? Princess Di, I want to catch your eye. Take this rose, this bouquet. Diana, make my day. The world fell in love. Are you sure? It's in between um, I Will and... No, sorry. Yeah, it's in between I Will and Happiness. Yeah, that's... Unless these lyrics are just incorrect. It's it's the one where they're know. basically... Where they're saying, um, get out of my way. Or, that's nice, Charlie. Yeah, get out yeah, of my way. Yeah, it's, um, uh, Charlie, thanks for all you do, but right now you're blocking our view. That's Stand it. Stand aside, let the lady through. Yep. I mean... Here I flourish, here my heart lies, here in Wales I feel most free. Charlie, thanks for all you do. dragged her like yeah you got me gal like <laughs> you got me gal well so i did do i looked up some uh articles from like the year after they married all the tours that they did mm-hmm. like and i mentioned this before like you know you the crown has a scene where they're in australia and like everyone's going absolutely bonkers for her mm. and so i was like what i was like was it really like this did mm. like everyone really make it this clear that it was just her they wanted or was or did that eventually grow as like th- you know the way that we always do with these urban legends yeah but no like i, I was reading an article in the times from 1981 of their of their of course you were know. well specifically like them in wales and then all this stuff and uh, the, it, the, the, I love that it was also like it was international news. The Times was like the crowd, like crowds came out by the hundreds of thousands. It was chaos. They like it, they were so in love and they go and they made it no secret who they wanted to see. Huh? And everyone's shouting, "We want Diana! We want Diana! We want Diana!" To the point that Charles had to kind of just accept it and try to make light of it, of like pointing at her, being like, "It's who you came for, right? Isn't she great? Didn't I pick a good one? Like, isn't she amazing? Like, ah, this is who you want, right?" And cl- and we look back at the now, it's like clearly it fucking bothered him. Yeah. But yeah, like that line right now, you're blocking our view. First of all, got me gal, but also it is t- kind of historically accurate. Everyone was like, "Thanks, Charlie. Bye." And that's what I mean, I guess, about economy. Like, literally in three lines of mm-hmm. lyrics, we, we get that whole story. Um, I actually am a pretty sizable percentage. I, I'm Welsh. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I speak Wales. Do you? Pretty, 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 pretty. There's, there's like a beat though in this song that I really like. The other thing about this score is like, despite how bonkers the show is, in the same way that like Les Mis, the music just sort of makes chemical sense, like the way that things yep. sort of progress. The way that the music progresses in the show, whether it makes dramatic sense or not, it makes chemical sense. Mm-hmm. So like the way that that song, The World Fell in Love, the way it built up to the ba da ba ba da ba ba da, and just like that, ba ba bow no bow, like it just fits so right. Yeah. And, it's only when you realize what's happening on stage, when you watch it, when you're literally watching it, you're just going like, 
what? But you listen to it and you just don't pay attention to the words and you're running on the treadmill you're like, yep, this absolutely is what comes next. Mm-hmm. This has to be the next thing. It just, it fits so well. It all just explodes in the right way. And I don't know how else to say it. It's like, yeah, it's it's like really cathartic how it all fits musically. It does because I think it, it like like I said, especially watching it via Netflix, there is something about it that really harkens back to that sung through, like you said, Les Mis, and mm-hmm. and even in in Aaron Davy and her um, vocal stylings. It, yeah, it, it is so satisfying, and and yeah, I mean, pretty pretty girl in a pretty pretty dress. I I I think they wrote a really great song, and also I mean, with a story like this what else would be your act break? Because all the kind of like drama that they've been amping up, it's all kind of in the same measured mm-hmm. a- amount. Does that make sense to you? Like, like everything's kind of like, then this happens and then yeah. Camilla happens and then this and then this. And like, it's high stakes shit, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Like to, to be honest, like, I, I mean, you, you think of an act break, you think of d- defying gravity, you, you you know, you think of things like that, and you're like, okay, that that's the moment where like that we're about to now go into a different world because the the stakes were highest, and in this, yeah, I don't I, I don't know. Well, that's <laughs> a, yeah, the stakes are high in the sense that it's everyone is internationally involved in what's happening in this number, but again, you don't really get that no, sense. Oh yeah, and. It's one thing if they were dramatizing how much more famous she becomes and how much that power, what that power is meaning, how much she's usurping everyone else in the royal family with it. But they don't do that. Yeah. They just constantly show her wearing cool outfits. Yeah. And I under, I feel like the pretty, pretty girl, pretty, pretty dress, it's meant to sort of, you know, take the things that's thrown at her, like in The World Fell in Love and Diana the Rage, of like, you're just a pretty face and you wear a nice outfit and no one can explain why people like you. Mm. And she's like, well. I mean, I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> why are you lying? Why are you come on? Why are you come on this back on this podcast and you lie? You lie to my face, God! But no, you know, like she's—it's sort of her trying to weaponize that. Like she literally has the lyric: "The press has always used her, so now she'll use the press." And I get that, mm. but then you don't see how she's using the press coverage. Mm. You just see her coming out in new outfits. So, like, a new people try to compare Diana to Avita, and the thing difference between this and Avita is like the storyline in Avita is her in, Act One ends with her and Peron ascending to power right. of becoming the most important people in their country. And the other thing is like the Royal family has no actual political influence. They're just known. They're famous. They have like social influence. They can, you know, they have, they're well connected and they're wealthy, but it's not like Diana's like, I think I'm going to make a policy that makes this illegal. Right. Um, I'm going to fuck over everyone that ever did me wrong. Cause I have the, I have it at my disposal to do that. She's just like, I don't know. I'll, I'll wear an outfit and people will take a photo of me and then I'll use that attention directed towards a charity. But like if we saw any of that shit in Act One, and then we saw how like what it, what was at stake by the fact that she's overpowering the royals, that would be more interesting. But it's not. It just ends with her being fashionable. Yeah. It's literally ending Act One of Avita with Rainbow High, but like it's not as dress me up baggots. It's just put me in a nice dress, gaze. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a uh, um, yeah it's a, it's a lip sync for your life. You know, it's just, truly it's, it's, it's a revealathon. Yep, moving on to top of Act Two. Oh, we also forgot about Barbara Cartland uh, because she opens Act Two. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I, I, I mean, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I was a bit gagged because you think it's going to be Judy Kate as the queen, and then she yep. pops up and it and it's Barbara Cartland. Ba- it's Babs again, <laughs> and you're like I turned, I, I guffawed. I, 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 I yeah. again, they got me, gals. Like I, yeah. I, I was like, you, you set up my expectations. Yeah. Um. What a 
What a dual role. Yeah, for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Barbara Cartland was a romance novelist famous for wearing pink and just being like... Yeah, and like her godmother or something. Well, she's... Yeah, she Barbara Cartland is just like... She, she's like the epitome of like British trash when we think of like old women trash just oh. in terms of like her aesthetic right like she yeah. didn't dress in a way that we would consider classy but no. she, it was what but, got, it was what gave her life so yeah. I'm happy for her but yeah she wrote all these romance novels and she and Diana read them apparently as a kid all the time and then it turned out that Diana's father when Diana's mother ran off uh, with another man her father remarried and the woman that he remarried her mother was Barbara Cartland so Di- Barbara Cartland became her step grandmother oh my god yeah Crazy. And we have like one scene in Act One as a yeah. flashback where she's like, It's you, Barbara Cartland. You're my new step grandmother. Is life like your novels? She goes, No, moving on. And then she comes back again for the top of Act Two, just to be like, Just You're... just to introduce <clears throat> the man candy. The greatest of the hour. The greatest entrance ever. I mean, soaked. So when I looked at the Broadway World reviews from like the first week or previous, like, you know, it's it's not the best thing. It's not the worst thing. I was like, motherfucking bitch. That is not what I would say to describe a show where Act 2 opens with James Hewitt rising from the ground on a mechanical bull, shirtless, oiled for the gods, singing his own name in falsetto. I mean, truly, if Sean Cody started putting out that type of material, I would I would go past the paywall. I would, I would too. I would. I would. I would pay. I would pay a dollar or however much porn is. Yeah, however <laughs> much porn is. I would subscribe to the OnlyFans. I would stop stealing it from my vidster. I would totally subscribe to that OnlyFans, even if it was with a horse, especially if it was a horse. <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding, kidding. We do not. Uh, no animals were harmed in the making of Diana. We do not support bestiality, but. Um, <laughs> Unless I'm the beast, baby. Unless I'm the and beast, James. One could argue it is about Beauty and the Beast. Oh it's, my gosh! I, truly, here, come, here came here comes James Hewitt. And here, there I came as there, well. Yeah, and I, here we all came. It's this. They're trying to sort of frame her meeting James Hewitt, the man who she eventually has an affair with, as sort of like a steamy Barbara Cartland novel. Right, because it's all it, half of the song is a, is like a dream, or not a dream sequence, but Barbara admits like it didn't. Excuse me. She goes. They didn't say this. Yeah. She's like, they didn't actually say this. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's. it's But we don't even like start it off as is as if it were Barbara Cartland novel. She just comes in and she's like, it's me again. Here's where we left off. off Like it's a romance novel. He shows up dressed like the cover of one. Yeah. But I'm saying like if we sort of. this is where direction and design helps. Like you could write this with this intention, but if your director and designers don't help you out, like we have the fake out that it's Barbara Carlin, but we don't like all of a sudden like swathe the stage in pink and like, sure. and do like a haze of things. We just, you know, you need, you need to set the scene. So we understand what we're about to see is like a steamy romance trope. Cause mm. otherwise you just have James Hewitt coming up from the ground and you are thrown for the gods. What I've, I, when, the, when I first watched it, I rewound it. Five times. Five times. And then I have If this was a VHS, it would be... Broke. It it would just be ripped in half, just like I hope to be. Just like... (laughs) God. Truly. James. James. I mean, also the fact that that, like, ginger wig... I'm assuming it's a wig. (laughs) Hope it's It's a a wig. Um... Also, if, it, if he's a ginger, honey, I hope to be gingerbread. Well, oh, uh, oh. I stole that from Jinx Monsoon. Not your gumdrop button. <laughs> um, Not my black cherry. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's robot chicken. Oh. I'm filled with references, y'all. You're just filled. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, 
I, and the thing is, I had seen on Twitter the exact screenshot of James' entrance, and it, it still was not prepared me. And what I also was not prepared for was this Act 2 wig. We were... We're... I have been changed for wigs. <laughs> like, I... It, it it must have had at least a five-inch, like, fake forehead, a false forehead. Yeah. And maybe that was for Netflix that they, like, had to, like, blend things in more. But... And, and I'm not dragging the person who designed the wigs. Paul Huntley, I believe he's dead now, so... Oh, I'm so sorry. He, uh, he's, not, he's not allowed to hear your criticism, so well, go no, hog I, wild. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing, because to be honest, I don't know how you would make a hairstyle like mm. what she had in a wig form. Yeah. But... I mean, just the second act wig. It it, it, it was a wig up. Like yeah. it, like they like they obviously very much were like, oh, this is our act one wig, and this is our act two wig. Yep. And then she has an end of act two wig. Paul Hanley also famously has done some incredible wigs in the past, and lot even talented people are capable of not doing their best work sometimes. Right. What, but totally but again, fair to say. But again, I also just don't even think it was necessarily his thing. I do think yeah. that hairstyle, no matter what, is going to look, especially yeah. on a feet. Like, I think male wigs are harder to make look natural anyways because they're so short. But mm-hmm. a short female, it always looks like a helmet. It, it always does. is going to look like a helmet. It, it's, it, it's, it's, it's the nature of the beast. And that it do. Um, I mean, there's not much to talk about. Here comes James Hewitt. Other, yeah, other than the fact than that, that constant coming, I'm a, my labia. Dick swinging yeah, and, dick, and, dick. and horse puns. Yeah, and just uh, truly, like, I, I mean, just the ginger. I, th- I only provide riding lessons. Doesn't your husband give you riding lessons? He's tried. He's not very good. And I will say, I've never heard a double entendre about horse riding and sex. And to hear that for the first time in my 21 years of living. So you never <laughs> saw Cruel Intentions 2 with Amy Adams? You just reminded me of one of the, um, of one of the voice memos I made last night. After the scene where uh, you realize that, like, Camilla and uh, Charles have just been fucking, and she's, like, setting up Diana to be the one, mm-hmm. I le- I definitely left a, vo- a voice memo that was, is this Cruel Intentions? Is this, is this the plot of this Cruel Intentions? Is Diana just Cruel Intentions? She's Reese Witherspoon, baby. No, she's yeah. Selma Blair. She's Selma Blair. She, she's both. Because yeah. that, that was the thing, too. I was trying to figure out which one she was. Mm-hmm. But I, the, Cruel Intentions and Diana... There's a bit of a there's a bit of a Venn diagram crossover that you can definitely pull from. A little bit, but if um, Ryan Felipe stayed in love with Sarah Michelle Gellar in the end, oh, Ryan and Felipe. and Reese Witherspoon's the one who dies. That movie was pivotal in my homosexuality. Absolutely. There, you know what Diana's missing? What is in Pretty Pretty Dress? Camilla saying the line, "You can put it anywhere." <laughs> That's what that show is missing. <laughs> Or the Queen says it. Or Barbara... No, Barbara Cartland comes on stage and she goes, you can put it anywhere. What about James Hewitt? Can James Hewitt say it? No, she's going to say that to James Hewitt. No, can Hewitt. James Hewitt say it? You can put it James anywhere. Hewitt to say it. Yeah. Girl, why? No, you want, to, you want James Hewitt to put it anywhere. You want to put it anywhere in James Hewitt? Uh, both. Fine. You know that man's tight as a drum. James Hewitt. James Hewitt. Did do it. Did do it. And then she has to go off and, and just dance with Charles. Just dance. Which is, I. it's not my least favorite of the lyrics. It's fine. It gets the job done. It, she explains once again why she wants the marriage to work. Her mm-hmm. mother left and it scarred her. She doesn't want to abandon her family. Um, she doesn't want to break up the family. It's all well and good. It gives me very Anastasia vibes. It did. There were not now that you said the Anastasia floor earlier. It, it's funny because I was trying to think. I was like, where have I seen like some of this before? And it does. It does 
I mean, a palace is a palace, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah. A I, palace I is a palace with malice. <laughs> and phallus. Uh, but this leads us to our next song. Two of my favorite songs of the whole show. Uh, Secrets and Lies, otherwise known as Diana Meets AIDS. This is the only time we actually ever see Diana do something in terms of, like, uh, yeah, actual world um, Growth. I, well, yeah, I was yeah. saying volunteer, but not volunteer. Chari- charity, charity work, or yeah, yeah or yeah. yeah, world growth is a good. Because a lot of charity too. work until this point, especially with you know high society, was like you know benefits and things. Right. And never actually like, getting your hands dirty, or, like meeting the people you're helping. Yeah. Diana, M- more money for our like clubs and our horses. You know, like, or, or like even if you are giving charity like an orphanage, it's like we're doing a a bowl and the money mm. will go to an orphanage but you don't have to go to the orphanage just come to the bowl yeah you don't have to see a poor exactly you don't you don't have to see a poor and <laughs> diana definitely like did that yeah which like you see that same kind of shit in evita but with diana it's it's different yeah um and there's a lot of stuff you don't see they very much minimize exactly what it was that diana did uh for the stigma of aids but they kind of try to give you an idea of it. She comes in and they're like, you don't have to wear gloves. You, you don't cut it from hand touching. And they're like, well, the queen insists. Yes. Where's the queen Queen's now? orders. Queen's orders. Where's the queen now? I'm here. And then she goes into the room where, okay, you don't really get in the Netflix video. You don't really get hit with how they actually open this scene in the hospital with these gay men as it's actually done on stage. Both times I saw it on Broadway. Same when, I, yeah. when I tell you that every man in that ensemble is in a big old sweater in various stages of slouchy shoulder on mm. a chair by the wall. It's like she comes into the room. It's all dimly lit. And everyone's just like, Ugh. Mm. and it's very like big spender, but no, but everyone's spread all over the stage and no one's like sexy, sad. Everyone's just sad, Yeah. but it's all forms of broken doll. And I'm like, okay. So I know Diana's about to remove the stigma, but did we need to add our own stigma with the staging here, Christopher Ashley, just saying. As the man who directed Jeffrey in the '90s, did you need to take three steps back here? Just saying. Mm. Um, but this does. So Diana is singing with all the men about their hands, and she yeah. wants to take photos. They say no. Right. Like, They're like, my family will find out. They don't yeah. know. Which, especially after like, I feel like we've had a lot of very good TV shows in the last couple of years too that really kind of like, it, um. It, it's a sin, you yeah. know, like a, a lot of shows that have, have delved back into into AIDS in, in a way that I think is, you know, very helpful, helpful to reflect in a, in a realistic, in a, in a realistic manner. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're saying and I, and I definitely agree. Like it, it, I, I, there, it, I always, when musical theater t- tries to tackle anything as, what's the word? Cause it's not epic. It's not grandiose. It, but big, just big. Yeah, just big, but, and just so uh, weighted and yeah. in such an emotionally uh, turbulent topic. Um, it's just so hard because as an art form, it only goes so far in that direction. I think like, I mean, there's never been an angels in America musical and it's for a reason. Yeah. Y- you know what I mean? There's well, been an opera, but like, again, but opera is different. Yeah. Well, and I think if there's one of the issue Diana really has is there is actually too much dialogue. There needs to be more music. There needs to be more singing because I've talked about this before with like Les Mis and Miss Saigon with these revivals. And then like the movie version of Les Mis that add like ad libbed talking. Mm-hmm. And I go, once you, once you've introduced talking into the world, yeah. All the singing makes no sense anymore. I'm like, why is Valjean singing this moment about the bread when he could just talk? If I know that the world has no talking in it or very minimal talking, I buy into it. And the music keeps the momentum going. And so Diana, yeah. The, yeah. When 
when you handle such weighted topics with such a brief amount of time, instead of giving a detailed snapshot, it just comes off as, wait, whoa, what, what, did you hear that? I do, yeah. yeah. Tyler, what did you just do? No. Oh. Tyler just fucked with me, and not in the way that I wanted, not in a James Hewitt kind of way. James um, Hewitt. No, uh, when... Something like that is so weighted, and the only way to really approach it is you kind of have to make it a sole focus, mm-hmm. or if you're going to make it a part of something, you have to give it very specific details, because otherwise, if it's just a bland, like, three-minute scene, it comes across as very, um, is pedantic the word I want to say? Like, it's very shallow, and that is sort of an insult to the uh, history of that subject. If you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, it, and also, as we were saying earlier, he he does not write subtext, so 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 subtlety in 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 a in a moment like this and and kind of that. It, I, I all this said, I'm gonna be completely honest. Uh, I mean, you know me, I, I'm an emotional gal. I cried. Of course, you cried. I cried. I 100 percent cried. Did you cry because his eyeliner eyeliner ran low? Um, no, I I, I don't remember. It, it was definitely towards the end, mm-hmm. but like, it, I think what actually did really get get me what was the fact that like it did really remind me of the fact that she as this person who was an outsider in this royal family mm-hmm. was taking a step like this in in our community at a time when we really needed someone to do that yeah um and and to destigmatize uh aids in any way possible that people just weren't doing so i, I think that's what actually like really yeah. really got me sure um and when everyone starts so like the the thing we're talking about is like in the scene, she's talking with them and just mostly just kind of chatting. And she first wants a photograph taken because she thinks eyes on the subject will mm-hmm. help them. And again, as you said, like everyone says no. Right. And then as she's talking to one of them, the main guy, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, Chris Medlin, Med- I, I don't know. I just know his voice goes so high. So um, high. He, and he opted, he, he built a C. He opted higher on the second to last performance. He went, um, so, uh, so, uh, so let's make a sign. I have an, I have the audio, um, oh, but goodness. I know uh, she says, are you getting good care? And he says, well, yeah, well, yeah great. But you no, know, my eyeliners run low. And she goes, well, I'll send a case here because makeup is one thing I know. And I always didn't like that line because I don't know if it's meant to be a joke about the eyeliner, but then she says earnestly, like, I'll send you some makeup. And I'm like, why, why, how did this come about? Yeah. But, and that's the thing that makes him go and says the iconic line, then like a good chap, sure. I'll take the snap. And, they take a photo together, and then what actually is moving in its own hateful way, like I hate that it's moving, but when other men start going, actually, I could take a picture, I could too, and then they all decide to come together. I know, they that, all step fi- up. that final snapshot. Yeah, it's very, my ca- was, oh, Captain, my Captain. I was teary, yeah. I am Spartacus, I am Spartacus. It's great, yeah. um, and it's about something very, very real. I did not expect to cry during Diane the Musical, so would this be the number that I, I cried during? <laughs> that would be it, yes. So shall we move on to... Yes, well, because then Diana, the one thing that the scene does for her storyline, is she goes, it's time to be done with secrets and lies. Mm. And then she finds out that Charles is going to Camilla's sister's Sisters. birthday after Diana was told that it was done. And that everyone knows, and but friends her. have been like enabling and helping. Yeah, I mean, yeah, have been helping them hide it in their like apartments and castles uh, for years now. Yeah. So Diana decides to show up to the event, which begins. She that's why she describe. shows up the gig. She's. It starts off as Ascot Kavat. Ascot Kavat meets Big Spender because they're all in a line, <laughs> and then Charles shows up, and Diana goes, "And I'm here too." Surprise! And then we get into the fucking. Bop of the century. Good night and goodbye to my discontent. I just got 
it is feud Betty versus Joan as we wanted it to be. Yeah. Because it is Diana and Camilla sparring. It's so good. It's it, when I say so good, like I mean, they don't cover that much ground. It's mostly just like you suck, no you suck, no you suck. And then Camilla being like, I picked you out. That's the thing. Demil- Camilla's the one who actually like Damilla. 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 Um it's, I mean, another rhyme right there. Camilla, Camilla Camilla's, Camilla. <laughs> Camilla's the only one who actually has, like, real punches to throw. Yeah. Because she's like, guess what? I'm the one who picked you out, you bitch. Yeah. And then and she, and then she, also says, something, she says something that I think is actually pretty accurate. She was like, I love Charles as the man he actually is. You love the idea of Charles. You actually never knew Charles. You never really fell in love with him. You fell in love with the idea of marrying a prince. It's a bit of a truth bomb. It's a truth bomb. From, from the person. That... Which I wish that they actually kind of expanded that verse a bit more. Because, yeah. like... That's something that fucking Diana needs to hear. Yeah. That's enough, that's enough, now you've gone too far. No, it's not, no, it's not. Now call the car. That's right, Diana, go. Grab my bag, grab my hat, grab my feeble little husband. Good night and cheerio. I'll ring you. There are many ways in which you can piss all over a stage. Sometimes it's with the vocals and sometimes it's with a shoulder shimmy and a look. I did not know I was into water sports until (laughs) she said. (laughs) John, you never know you're into water sports until the water sports happen to you. I've I've heard that from you. (laughs) Yeah, no, until she said, oh my gosh, this This is fun. I... I also love when he says, I'll ring you. And she, and she turns back around. No, no, no he won't. It's so <laughs> I know. It's comedy. And it's that is, great. That is a moment where it is a door slamming farce. Mm-hmm. It um, becomes noises off all yeah, of a sudden. It truly does. And uh, yeah, I, that, that that song's for the gays. They said, we'll give yep. you AIDS, but then we'll give you the, the song for the gays. Yep. The real song for the gays is the main event. Because yep. it's diva upon diva upon diva. Yep. Um, this is the beginning yeah, of the, the rest wor- of your life. The, the main wor- event. The main event. The words came pouring out where Diana releases, where she gives information for the tell-all about her life. Yes. Um, I love this song. It is, again, a bop. Uh, it has one of my favorite, like, uh, ensemble not ography because the choreography is actually bad for it, but um, uh, vocal arrangements when the mm. book actually comes out. So we have Diana singing into the tape recorder of you know all the stuff. Yes. She has the a marriage built on lies, the depression, the bulimia. Uh, each day I'm brutalized, assaulted by the media, and all this happens. And Jezreel like, God. Um, uh, she wrote, she rhymes Camilla with Godzilla. He's a third rate Henry VIII, and she's Godzilla. And she has another one where she's like, uh, he wanted a girl, I gave him a son, and just like that, the marriage was done, and it's so high. The marriage. But when the book eventually comes out and then Charles is given the newspaper mm-hmm. and he's told, be prepared, and, he's in the, and the drums come in and, the, and then the ensemble starts doing overlapping counterpoint, a marriage, but like I get my zhuzh every single time. Get your zhuzh. Get my zhuzh. That but, part. And it's also the only time we mention Diana's bulimia. The fuck you dress, otherwise known as the revenge dress. Um, also known as the um, Judy K bit, the <laughs> dress. <laughs> dress. Well, so the Netflix version, they have feckety, 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 feckety dress. Um, I guess in order to, they can only have one fuck, and they choose to make it the button. Oh. 
because oh. he finally ends with a "fuck you" dress. I don't know what the what they went on Netflix. You could, d- I've seen I've seen every kind of uh, I know. Uh, I've seen every curse. I've seen every body part. I d- I'm just I've seen, I've seen every body part. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if this huh. was a choice on their part. I don't know. But I because when I first watched it, because they also recorded the cast album the same time they made the Netflix showing. Okay. And. It wasn't until I listened to the cast album when I heard fuckity, 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 and I also heard it And in, they say it in person? Yes, they say it in person as well. And then and oh. in Snap Click, they go, uh, we're, uh, uh, we know that your aim is to be fucking famous, whereas in Netflix, mm. they go friggin' famous. And hmm. I'm like, why do you, why, why? Just say fuck. Just say fuck. Maybe they thought, maybe they were trying to reach a younger audience, because if there is one thing Gen Z loves, it's Diana. It's true. It's, Every di- generation loves Diana. That's true. She's ageless, like the musical. No, uh... The fuck you dress number. So I actually had heard bits of that before. So Uh it wasn't as much like if, if I did not know that song was coming, like if I were an unexpecting tourist and that happened, Uh I would have slid off of my seat in the best way. Like I I truly, it's just just what a, what a fun counterpoint to all the other times we've talked about dresses. (laughs) (laughs) I've sung about dresses in this show. The thing about this song is like, I don't know if it would work better if the show were better. Like, because I think part of the appeal of the song is meant to be how kind of like brash the language is and just sort of like, you know, uh, how shocking that this man who's been so stuffy up until now says this. And because there's that awkward pause after he first sings, fuck you dress. Perhaps I said too much. And that silent beat, Mm -hmm. that was, that was musical comedy too. I remember that was another one that I made a voice memo for. And I was like, this the comedic timing on yeah. this, because it's a lot. It's a lot of energy for the task, and it's and that's sort of the point of it. And I wonder if like if the show were better, if that would even land better. But I mean, in the theater, it landed great. Everyone ate I it the fuck it. up. Because I will also say, the first time I saw it live, it was half of the audience was gay, half of the audience were bridge and tunnel crowd who were there to be like, screw the critics. We're here to support a Broadway musical, I baby. I love I fuck. You. Yeah, <laughs> Diane is the people's princess, baby. So the first like two numbers, it was the like Margaritaville crowds being like, "Whoa, yeah, it's the worst job in England." Whoa, and then as each song in the show progressed, the applause got lighter and lighter until the "fuck you" dress, and then that was the first song since "Worst Job in England" that got a full on whoa. Love that. Because uh, uh, otherwise, it was just the gays being like, it's actually your royal highness. Yes, bench work. Main event. Yes, bench work. So, Bridge and Tunnel didn't come alive again until uh, Fuck You dress. dress. Yeah. When a girl needs to express a proper state of distress, revenge looks best in a fuck you dress. That, is, that moment is the moment that I think a pretty, pretty girl in a pretty, pretty dress is trying to do of like I using so fashion that, that's for. What, that's what's so interesting about it is that we kind of get like two of the same songs mm-hmm. that are very similar. And one is the act one finale. And then the other one happens, I mean, towards the end of the second act. Yeah. But, but I feel like the, they also, the staging also is wrong because like the build of that number, they do like the big reveal of her in the dress. Eventually we should build to seeing her get in that dress and mm-hmm. see it all come together. Cause that's the excitement in the same way, like rainbow high, the excitement in the original staging is watching Patty LaPone go from a slip to decked out. Mm. And 
it's like I don't know. It's not. It's less interesting for me to watch Gina come on in her robe, go off stage for two minutes, come back on in the dress, because then we only get the dress for ten seconds. Yeah, and I feel a little cheated. Yeah, I yeah. get that. But also, that is where we get the reporters back in their trench coats, and they. I don't know if you notice this, but when you're in the front row of that theater, you see them. They fucking wiggle their junk in your face on the fuck you dress, fuck you dress. And Amanda it. and I were like, I'm being face fucked by Broadway, you're and welcome. I loved it. Yeah. Not since Color Purple when Mysterious Ways began and the church lady sang into my mouth was I so face-fucked. Pre-COVID. <laughs> Pre-COVID. It was 2016. They were like, then they go, it's Sunday morning. Ah! I was like, yeah, this I'm being face-fucked by um, this entire company, and I would have it no other way. Yeah. I, 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 I loved I, – I did notice, actually, the um, the gyration. <laughs> yes. that's, that's, that's the proper word, gyration. Man, if you are not subscribing to that Patreon, you just you just missed the show. <laughs> Now's the time, baby. July thirty first is when the Patreon goes live. Mm. Mm-hmm. This episode comes out actually after it goes live. Uh, but you will. Uh, it gives you more incentive now. Now yes. that it, now that it is live. Yes, it is live now. Um, do you want to talk about not really? Other than I was very confused that that was the song that I expected. Like I was looking, I had paused it um, to kind of just like see how much I, how much time like was left, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, we're wrapping up very quickly, and this song is taking up a lot of the time, and I'm unclear." The show. St- I, after I first watched Diana, and I've said it again since seeing it, the show spends more time having Camilla's husband come out to remind Camilla that they are married than they do on Diana's death and the aftermath of her death. Yeah, they really do, don't they? Yeah. yeah it, I mean, I figured they're obviously they would have to deal with her death. And when it happened and I blinked and I missed it. I, I, I was a little, it was a little, whip, not a little, it was, it was, it was whiplashy. I, yes. It was whiplashy going from that song, not really, not really having an 11 o'clock number. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that said though, it was a very, I, I don't know if I got it until like you said, the end, I think I did when I watched the very beginning, but like, I did like the way that it was bookended with the flashing of the lights yeah, yeah. And, and everything. And so I guess maybe it does let us infer that where she is in the beginning is a kind of like limbo place of past future sure. present, but it's an on paper idea that yeah. I like. I don't like it in execution. Uh, the other, so I, okay. All we have to say about an officer's wife, it's the queen finally granting Diana the divorce that she wants. So she can go to, and then she's going to go to America. And I do not watch, Really, the crown, despite the fact that I mentioned it a lot. I watched some clips of the. I've watched, I've watched some clips of the Diana to. season, honestly, in preparation for this. I've tried to watch the first episode, and I couldn't get into it. I'll give it another shot. But Amanda, who I went with, loves the crown. And after we walked out, she was like, first of all, she was never just an officer's wife. She was always like a princess. Like she, I know. Yeah. Well, that's what I kind of figured too. I. I, I, I to be honest, I spent most of the song being like, I guess she's not talking about herself. She's talking about like a Some, friend. Someone because she knows, why yeah. is she suddenly, yeah, being so like, I'm just an yeah. Well, wife. the whole, and the other thing, again, the fact we brought this up before, like how they made her much warmer in the show and so more understanding. Warmer. That whole number is her being like, we're not so different to you and I, Diana. We're both women, we yeah. both married men. And it's like, girl, the queen never girl. related to girl. The queen never related to Diana, a day in her life. I, if you ever saw the movie The Queen with Helen Mirren, which is dull as shit, but it has, um, there's one clip where uh, James, I think it's James Cromwell, yeah, James Cromwell as um, 
Prince Philip, when, when they get the news that Diana's dead, what happened? They get woken up at like three in the morning because that's when Diana died. Hmm. And when they're with the door, when they're when they're getting uh, their door knocked on, they're like, it's about uh, the Princess of Wales. They're like, or I guess at that point she became the Duchess of Wales. I don't know, but don't they know. whatever they say, it's about Diana. And Philip goes, God, what's she done now? <gasps> and that's when they get the, like that's every time Diana's name came up, that's what their immediate thought was, what did she do now? Sure, and it was it was never like, I see you, I hear you. Well, yeah, and it, it doesn't. It, yeah, that 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 number was. I, I mean, when like Diana gave her the hug, I did appreciate the fact that at least she was like, ahem, no. Mm-hmm. But it was very confusing from a place of I I understand that you're trying to not be mean to this person who is still alive, who is the queen. Mm -hmm. Some people do tend to, I guess, respect or like the fact that she's the queen. Um, Yeah, very perplexing. Very perplexing of of this kind of like BFF, Sisterhood of the Traveling Crowns we have going on. They're definitely trying to... definitely never, ever existed. They're definitely trying to lean into a feminist perspective with it that I think is false to the actual narrative of Diana's life. Yes. And also it's just, a, it doesn't come off as actually feminist. It just comes off as pandering. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, if you're actually saying, yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah. I'm not, I don't even do Ironically, that. that moment is a moment that I wish would happen more in Legally Blonde. I, I'm, it's on the brain because I literally just talked about it. Um, my One of my bigger issues with the musical, and I like the musical. I've mentioned it a lot. I like the musical. I think it's really good. One of my big, one of my issues with it, as opposed to the movie, is the movie's never like outwardly like women stick together. It's not like that Valencia song in Legally Blonde. Women gotta stick together. It's just like Elle's a human being who treats other human beings kindly, right. and the feminism in that is like the 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 bond of sisterhood is feminism itself. Mm. There, no one's ever going like women first, but just like we are supporting each other because we like each other and we're human beings. Like we don't need to be. Uh, adversaries exactly whereas the musical it's a lot like l who's never cracked open a law book now also knows who gloria steinem is in that bunny outfit and you're like no girl no um but the moment of an officer's wife like that kind of small nuanced we are just two humans and we're recognizing each other's value i would like a moment like that in legally blonde the musical just like i love how ellen and, and um vivian bond in the movie over like these quiet moments of just like oh when we don't think about it we actually like each other mm. whereas in the musical it's like yeah that's right men do suck let's bond together and i, I don't know i think that one is more moving than the other in my opinion sure. Um, so yeah, that's all I have to say about an officer's wife. If I like, again, I like the concept of if, of this idea of Diana building in confidence and the things she was going to do now that she's free and that she starts to do that gets cut short immediately because of a very quick and out of the blue death. Yeah. And and I get that maybe they were trying to then make the song very short and kind of. (laughs) Right, maybe yeah. that's what they were trying to do, is make it so that you feel like the song's going to go somewhere, and then it just kind of mm-hmm. stops and is cut off by her death. But it being a musical, you do kind of like, I, I, I just did not expect it to end so quickly. Well, because it's not even just that she dies so suddenly. It's she, the, first of all, the way they handle it is, is crazy. Because they start off with like, Diana did this, she does this, she does this, charity, landmines, things. And then all of a sudden we get, there's been an accident. Prepare for the worst. Diana's dead. Mm-hmm. And then there's that Requiem for Evita. Five seconds. Whoa. She goes off into the lights. And everyone looks off. And then Charles and Elizabeth and Camilla look o- uh, come on stage and they look over. And Charles goes, the people who change the world. And then everyone goes, oh, not the, the people, people you think would change the world. world. Blackout. Now, they changed it once it opened on Broadway. Oh, they did? Well, they did. But here's what the change was. Charles, Elizabeth, and uh, Camilla are not on stage anymore. They look; the ensemble looks off. 
the music begins. Do, 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 do. The women come forward and they go, now we can light the world. And then the men join them and they all, uh, the entire ensemble sing, now we all can light the world. Blackout. Now, John, the, as you were mentioning earlier, the problem with the ending we all had wasn't that it wasn't loud enough, that it didn't have enough voices. The problem was that it was five seconds long. And so they made it, they kept it at five seconds, but just made it the entire ensemble as opposed to just Charles. And also with the women coming forward first being like, we can light the world now. Amanda rightfully said afterwards, she goes, I love that the ending of the show is Diana die, so we a feminist now? Like, that's not, no. Diana die, so I set everything on fire? Burn, burn, burn the bras because Diana did? I'm a pyromaniac now. <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting twist. <laughs> no, it's like, her. the aftermath of her death was so huge. It's literally... The one again, a smart thing Avita does is opening with the funeral procession of Ava Perón because it's so ginormous and yeah. you, it makes you go like, "Who was this woman? Like, what is it that she did that caused this kind of reaction?" And then one of the flaws of Avita is you don't get a total grasp of what she did that caused that reaction. You get a sense of it, but not a yeah. lot. Whereas Diana, like, not only do you not get a total sense of what she accomplished, you also don't get a sense of what her death meant. Yeah, it, at all. No, yeah, it it was it it definitely. I, I I was shocked that it that it ended there. I mean, but also in the same time, not I guess <laughs> considering just, everything that preceded it. Well, yeah, I guess just because like like what I was saying, uh, that word just keeps coming up like economy. It's like the, they're not wasting anyone's time, no. less less yours, less ours. So I guess truly in their mind they were like, let's end it. I I, I mean, there's so many questions that I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in the making of Diana. Like, did they ever consider making it a one act? Like, was it, because it seems like it was written to be a one act mm. and they just threw an intermission in. I do wonder how long it was at La Jolla. It feel, I feel like it was much longer, like maybe two hours and 45. Would it, oh. have, would it benefit from being longer or shorter? That's the question. Personally? Shorter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is just because, I mean, I, I'm not going to have the right answers. I don't think be able to come up with like what would have, you know, saved Diana. Well, because here's the thing. I also don't think Diana needs saving. I love what this is. I loved what I witnessed. I will be listening to this cast album a lot. Yeah. A lot. It's, a, it's literally the boppiest score of the last 15 years. Yes. I would argue, honestly, boppier than Legally Blonde. Yeah. Uh, there's it's, it's just like constant. The difference between something like this and Hairspray, which also is a score full of bops, Hairspray, all the songs make sense in the world and help with the story and the characters, yes. and they all fit um, a tone that is maintained. Whereas Diana, you're never sure what the tone is. The lyrics are insane. But like you're, you're either in or you're out. The difference is like, so, like, when the show did finally open, it had its supporters. And, like, I am a supporter of Diana, but I am someone who loves it because it is so wild. There are people who were literally going online to be like, no, no, no. Here's why the show is actually really great. And I'm like, Mm-mm-mm. no, no, no. To really love the show is to recognize all of its flaws and to love it anyway. Or to love it because of – you don't love Diana in spite of the flaws. You'd love Diana because of the flaws. Right. Yeah. Completely. That, that was, I, let me say that one more time. I was really proud of that. You don't love Diana in spite of the flaws. You love Diana because of the flaws. Love it. Yeah. That, that's the pull quote, baby. That is the pull quote of the sensory. Um, we, I mean, we're leaning into it now because we were talking about all this before. But uh, let's get to your uh, answers of my quick rapid-fire questions here, John. Okay. Um, first, over, under, or estimated. Do you think Diana is overestimated, properly estimated, or underestimated? 
I mean, underestimated. It's, it's the title of the song. I, I'd be daft if I if I said otherwise. Yeah, I do wonder what happens. Do you mean the musical? The mu- <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about the person. The person. Well, she is she is under. She's six feet underestimated. But I I think it it it's impossible to be es- to to estimate Diana the musical. It's true. The, 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 the more I do this. A series with this question the more like it's just it depends on who you ask and what their opinion of the show is like i think that the show is actually kind of properly estimated because it is so divisive and because it's just so talked about for its wildness right but then like you know i talked to someone who's like no it absolutely should have gotten a score nomination and gina should have been nominated i'm like gina's worked she, hard wasn't she nominated she, for, for a drama desk not for a tony oh i thought she was for a tony no the tony nominations were um, judy k no. no no performer in the show was nominated for a tony award uh, best actress in a musical this year because it was this year, believe it or not it was this year it was um, Sutton Carmen Cusack Sharon D. Clark Mayor Winningham uh, Jakina Kalukanga I, I, I fucked up her name uh, I'm tired I haven't had water lately uh, there's a sixth one there. get Who water get water who is the sixth one I, I don't know I can't remember either and I'm, I'm, I'm blanking too um, yeah whatever um, it's alright yeah but it, it's, it's it's six people um, and uh, Katrina, fa- no, sorry, no, it's five people. It is five. It is five. Uh, Katrina famously did not get in. Right. Um, and so if Katrina's not yes, getting in. Yes, it was five because everyone was so pissed that because there was six in, in yeah, male. Yeah. yeah. And not that it was, the Tony nominators didn't let, like sit down and be like, we can do six men. It's it's, it's, it's how a tie. Yeah. The tallies how they yeah. work out. Um, mm-hmm. It's a literal tie. Literally, yeah. Um, next question. Castaway. Is there anyone you want to see in this show <laughs> who's not already in this show? Oh my God. Um, I would love Ellen Green as Diana. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to throw some shit against the wall and say I would fucking love Ellen Green as Diana. Um, it's amazing. Oh, gosh. Who else? I, I Oh, gosh. Who? I, I feel like there were some other actresses that I also... I mean, Judy Kay was amazing, but I feel like there was someone else. I mean, it, if they were alive... Mm-hmm. Elaine Stritch. Oh, God. Could you imagine Elaine Stritch as the fucking queen of England? Uh, I mean, Angela Lansbury 20 years ago. Angela Lansbury would actually do a great job. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure Elaine Stritch would too, but imagine, yeah. imagine Elaine Stritch in that role. Totally. Um, I feel like I should do one more just because of Rule of Threes. Um, our Camilla. Who's our Camilla? Our Camilla. Who would our Camilla be? Me. <laughs> um, who would our Camilla be? Who's Emily Skinner. Oh, oh my God. Emily Skinner would be such a fucking good Camilla. She'd be a great Camilla. It's a thrill after all. Oh my goodness. I would be thrilled. And our last question is the missing link. What is missing from the show that you think would put it all together? And the question is really not accurate for this show, but I'm asking it anyway. Um, what is the missing link? Um, honestly, I think the missing link for this show, and you kind of referenced it a little bit earlier, but I've had this, I, I have this idea about multiple shows um, including Carrie, um, and I think this is without a doubt one of them. I think the missing link to this show is a Rocky Horror style viewing aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a cult musical show mm-hmm. that the people get so ex- like I was thrilled and Manilla'd by myself mm-hmm. watching it. And I could just imagine sitting in a theater with people and just like, I don't know, what, what would be the equivalent of like throwing hot dogs? Like, um, <laughs> don't they like throw, they throw hot, I thought they, they throw toast. I think they throw a lot of things. They throw, the um, queens throw a lot of things. But I don't know, throwing dresses at the yeah, stage. Yeah, I mean, like, you imagine you would come and like reveal dresses. Mm-hmm. You would like, um, you, you could probably like throw rice at them when they get married, but only yeah. at Charles, like oh. pelting Charles. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, a lot of musical theater shows would really 
like there I feel like there is a handful I should say mm-hmm. of musical theater shows that would really benefit from just leaning into the rocky horror tr- uh, like through line the track yeah. the, like the track that rocky, rocky horror has set for that kind of culty musical cuz I think there's a life I think yeah. I, I think that could be a missing link to this that's something that I talked about in the Carrie episode of like they made Carrie in the rewrites a more cohesive musical but they also made it a less interesting one yes um, yeah. And it's not that the original version is like good. It's just so wild that it's, you can't yep. forget it. Nope. And so I wish that we would kind of just like, lean into that. Yeah. Um, all right. Usually I do a ranking of the shows in the series. This one's a little hard to do because they're not, most of them aren't from, uh, different writers and different aesthetics, but I will say, um, okay. Uh, going off the cuff here, uh, my last show my bottom of the barrel of the shows we've covered so far has been quirking. I don't like that show. I like three songs and that's it. Uh, I don't know it. It's, it's I, 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 I know uh, he builds a house on yeah. every oh, the, the Mason, Mason song. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. You probably sang it once in oh, college. Oh no, I did not sing it. How dare you think I would sing anything anyone else ever sang? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a John's lo- life at a all. A lot of people, a lot yeah. of people sang it though. I know. I sing housewife all the time. <laughs> all I am is just a housewife. Just a housewife. Nothing great. Um, yeah, so it would be working as bottom of the barrel. After that is uh, Mac and Mabel, which is a bunch of good songs, but I don't want to call it a great score because it is so at odds with what that show is trying to do. Mm. You don't sing Tap Your Troubles Away while co- while Mabel is doing cocaine and dying. Um, next up, Pal Joey, which has some good things, some bad things. Uh, after Pal Joey is... Probably Carrie, which is not a good musical, but by God, is it memorable, unless we're talking about the revised version, in which case it's probably a little bit lower. Um, then next up, we have Parade, which is a score I love, but is a show that I don't think works as well as people think it does. Mm. Uh, I said it in the episode before, I think that show would be a lot better if we made Lucille our actual primary focus, and it's the story of that trial and that murder case through her lens and her journey of becoming the woman that she becomes. But that's just me. Uh, I know Hal Prince really liked having that big old tree on stage. Why don't we follow Mary Fagan instead? I mean... That would be great. A 10-minute show? The la- the <laughs> Mary Fagan's last day on Earth. Yeah. It's just a 10-minute ballet. Um, then up, up next, we have Sideshow, which I love, but my God, are some of those lyrics insane? You're either in or you're out on, time, on Tunnel of Love. Are you I, was, I, I was literally just going to say, I was literally going to bring up Tunnel of Love. Are you in or out on I'm that? In at, I'm yeah. in. I'm in. Absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm getting fingered in it. <laughs> you, you are Daisy getting fingered, and I'm Violet not getting any. Yeah. You, I am but the you're one, feeling it. I'm, oh, I'm feeling it. <laughs> I, we talked about it on that episode. Like when I tell you the d- scenario of that scene and that it's set to music, it most people are like, "The fuck is this show?" I'm like, "I know. Either you're in or you're out. Yeah, and if you're in, in, it's some of the best fucking arrangements. Like I'm the in. arrangements are so wild." Um, yeah. Next up, sideshow. Then I would say Susical. Uh, <laughs> Susical's great. No, it's it's the next up on the list. Uh, after that, I would say Candide which uh, is some of the most incredible music, and sometimes it works mostly, and sometimes it doesn't work at all. I love that musical. It is a gorgeous It was one of my first professional roles. Who'd you play? Candide. I did did a site-specific production with a site-specific theater of Candide. I'll bet that was lovely. It was awesome. We did it in a defunct uh, auto garage, and we built this, like, huge platform, and our orchestra was in the middle. And when we got to El Dorado, we had um, a... Like, there are only five in existence. A completely white 1977 Eldorado, Dodge Eldorado. Shh. 
What, what version of the show did he do? We did the um, hundred minute or we did we did the one act. We did we did which uh, yeah from, from my research from from what I could tell is the one that I I enjoy the most. Yes, it's that's the Hal Prince one. Yes, the Hal Prince one. Yeah. Um. Also, I take that back. I want to um put Seuss, I want to put uh Diana below Parade because while I'm obsessed with Diana, it is not actually as good as Parade. So it's a combination of like I keep coming back to the well of Diana. More than I do to parade, but if we're gonna if we're gonna do what we're doing, right? If we're gonna split the hairs. Yes, exactly. Um. So then I said Susskull, then Candide, uh, then Legally Blonde, and then Smile, and I think that's. I was gonna say, is there it. something above Smile? Because no. I would be shocked. shocked. No, Smile. Smile is next. Uh, I think everyone needs to listen to that episode with me and Allie Gordon to just to get a better understanding of why it is the show actually works better than people realize. Someone on one of my anonymous messages was like, do you not think that that show is problematic and sexist? I was like, no, that's the, the sexism in the show is the point of the show. Right. It's a satire of that. They're not being like, they're not looking at the audience very earnestly and going, you know who are dum-dums? Women. No, like that's, if you don't understand that it's satire, I don't know what to tell you. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah. That. So the next series, I I did a poll. The poll was determined. It is going to be – I don't know the title of it yet, but it is going to be off-Broadway transfers. <gasps> Musicals and plays. Some Not not every single one, but certain specific ones that went uh, from off-Broadway to Broadway and how the transfer worked out. So, mm. yeah. What a wide pool you get to choose from. Exactly. And I'm going to make sure to include at least two plays because I like I had some plays in British Invasion. They're hard to cover with people who don't know the plays. And mm. they're sometimes hard to talk about. But I like talking about them. And I think my listeners need to know more about them. Yes, yeah. you do. You need to learn more. Uh, John, this has been lovely. It's been so much fun. It's been so nice to see you and to talk to you. So nice to see you and talk to you, too. Um, I just want to say I don't miss you one bit. I'm, I got my fix. I'm good for five more years. I don't need to talk to you ever again. No, this has been absolutely fantastic, and I, I love talking with you. And I do, too. It's, it's been so nice to be back. Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me, listeners. You had no choice in the matter. I was forced upon you, but... <laughs> I mean... That's, it, how, that's how I best take it. <laughs> I best... No. <laughs> Your best take it. No. From behind. Take it from behind. Take it from behind and force sweetie. No, 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 no. 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 Um, you are a wonderful uh, garnish. Oh, my goodness. You're I'm light and sweet and dilly. I'm parse. Oh, I love dill. I would like to be dill. I was going to say parsley, but you're so right. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. It was a blast. You know, I adore you. I, I love what you've done with the place. <laughs> Thank you. Being this place, but also the podcast in general. Thank you. I appreciate that love. Um, yeah, where can people find you if you want them to find you, even though you don't do social that often? I mean, I'm back on Twitter more often than not anymore just because uh, my brain uh, is working again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because, uh, But Instagram too, right? You yeah, both, both of them I think I'm just at John Wascavage, J-O-H-N-W-A-S-C-A-V-A-G-E. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do whatever <laughs> yeah. with that. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram only at Matt Coplick, usual spelling. If you like the pod, give us a rating, review, subscribe. We got two, we got, sorry, we got three new ratings, not reviews, but three new ratings, two, five, one, uh, one, one. Uh, yeah. Which pissed me off because I'm like, at least tell me what I, what I am doing that you don't like. Cause I can then at least say, you know what? There's merit to that. Or I can say, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want our rating to get lower. So I would like to counterbalance that, uh, that one star with, a couple more five star yeah. ratings, guys, please. Can someone give us some fives? Some five star give, ratings, please. Give, give Matt a five. Okay. Uh, 
but if uh, or I'll keep doing this, <laughs> or I'll keep doing this voice forever. And now that the Patreon is live since July thirty first, since the day that Beanie Feldstein left Funny Girl, I've decided to take adv- I decided to take advantage of everyone's eyeballs on social media by making the Patreon go live that day. Oh my gosh! I know, aren't I insane? But you, you can are. you can listen to this episode. You by this point you will have listened to this episode early on the Patreon, mm-hmm. and you'll get the video content from this episode on the Patreon. Uh, and I will have a link for that in this episode uh, description. I will also I think uh, make it in my put in my description on instagram for a little while just so people can find it um yeah it'll be great and then we'll see you in a couple of weeks for the on and off broadway series um can't wait to listen you know who we're gonna close out with i I, it would make sense since she stars in the damn thing but because i actually haven't done her yet and it makes me really sad because she's a two-time tony winner we're actually gonna close out with miss judy k (gasps) do it yeah I love we that. we got to close out with Miss Judy K. Um, and that's it. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. This has been underestimated. We're finally done. Thank you for sticking through. And uh, you got a couple of weeks to have a breather and uh, or to catch up on the series. Cause these are, yeah, because one other thing, John, I don't know if you know this, the episodes are long now. Like, I'm not cut, mean, this is not getting cut down. The thing is, I, I figured this wasn't getting cut down. And yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I do, I do edit the episodes a bit, but I keep them long form. And people wow. seem to like them. Uh, but, yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for listening, for watching, and subscribing. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. Take us away, Judy. Bye. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.